What up, what up, what up? Welcome back on another episode of Cultivated Ignorance. Hey. We have two lovely guests in the building today. Hey. Miss Star Mana. I go by Star. Go by what you want. Nobody really gives a shit. <laughs> oh, so we're starting early. Oh, okay. I couldn't help it. Didn't think I was going to have to do the disclaimer, but okay. So, this the, <laughs> this might be the Petty Podcast. Will and Star are known for not liking each other. You know, they just, I don't know why. I love we no. actually like each other. This is just Attempt how the relationship goes. Y'all just think of Pam and Pam, uh, and Martin. That's how it's gonna be the whole show. Like just Pam and Martin. Sure, say that makes you genius. So, yeah. I never said that. You are goddamn liar. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> welcome back. Uh, we also have Mr. Terrence Dern. Uh, okay. Welcoming us, as, joining us as well. Um, today we're gonna be talking about a lot of different things. Toxic masculinity is going to be the main one. Um, it's kind of a hot topic going on in today's society uh, with all the stuff going on, especially like with, uh, the Me Too movement and all this, this other whole bunch of crazy shit. Um, so, Star is a woman, so that makes her qualified. <laughs> no, I was going to say, what things going on? Will, what things going on in society have to do with toxic masculinity? So plenty of things. Like okay. all these sexual you, assault claims. Okay, claims. All right. Yeah, yeah, claims. Okay. You just brushed off the Me Too movement like, yeah, the old Me Too movement, you know, the whole thing. It's whatever. starting to get a little overblown. Oh. <laughs> now you sound like Wendy Williams over starting to get a little overblown. Sound like Wendy Williams. I'll get out of control. All right, so... <clears throat> As far as Terrence goes, Terrence is a native of Camden, South Carolina, owner of Shots, independent video production company. Uh, he's a co-creator of Find Your Light, a documentary about spirituality, Very and, co-creator, and co-creator of What is Masculinity, a documentary about black masculinity. Thank you, sir, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, <laughs> We're also joined by Star. Star is a Texas-born, South Carolinian New Yorker. Don't know how that works. Right. It's called moving. And, and, you're, just gonna, and you're just going to claim all that. I, I almost want to script this. It's going to be, yeah, I got a little bit. Please do, help him out a little bit. Star is a multi-passionate, self-taught tarot reader, writer, and gifted, intuitive guide. Her favorite topics to teach are on sexuality, spirituality, and relationships. Currently, she offers intuitive readings live and online. Her goal is to provide tools, insight, and words that motivate your soul. To book a reading or find out more, contact her at HTTPS. Oh, you Are you really going to do that? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you can what get- <laughs> I'm on Facebook as Starmana Hugh and that's S-T-A-R-M-A-N-A. And then Hugh Clinton, I mean, I'm sure you'll put the link in the bio. Yeah, sure. Oh, we're doing plugs early. Well, um, do you them, can find yeah. me at www.shotsindependent.com. <laughs> Uh, okay. Facebook page, <laughs> if you would like to book a professional video uh, to market yourself in in a way where you'll be remembered for years to come, holla at me. I might hit you up for that. We usually do the plugs at the Black Business Shoutout, but Six and Xavier last time was like, yo, fuck all that. You they were like, plug like, city. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know when, Walking when you asked for the buyout, I didn't know you were actually going to read it, so I, I didn't know it was going to be read like that. I thought it was just going to be. Oh, I didn't know either. I just gave it to Will and told him. Oh, Google. God. See, I knew you over there messing stuff up. I, I thought it was good. <laughs> Until you started reading the entire URL, right? 
You want to help well, people get to you? I, was being I know you're just now starting to read, so you're a little over eager. Oh my god! <laughs> Call it what you like. Chicken head. Chicken. All right. <laughs> Why she gotta be a chicken head? <laughs> Um, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm exhausted already. <laughs> Can you please do your uh, church announcements? Uh, yes, we got the church announcements. Um, coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, hopefully we get the show posted in time for this event. But um, Sunday, March 11th, is Spirit the Tattoo Poet Soul Factory at Pearl. Uh, y'all was there a couple months ago. Y'all know how dope it was. The, the building was packed. I was trying to do photography. I had to stand on top of people's shoulders and hit elbow people in the face because there was too many people in there. It's going to be just as packed this time. Very dope show. Um, this this um, Today, I'm sorry, Sunday, we're going to be featuring um, Queen Sheba and comedian Ra Ra Bracey, which is the first time he had a comedian on the show. So I'm going to see how that goes. It's going to be dope. Oh, my God. I didn't realize it was going to be this Sunday. Yeah. Wow, that's so exciting. That's so cool. Yo, this whole that's, gonna be that's what I'm saying. Like, he's, I think he's trying to make it like an all variety show. Yeah, you should. Goes you're hand gonna come. What I'm doing, yeah. of course. What's two dollars cover? Just so y'all won't be like. So you know, oh, Will's I'm a hustler. <laughs> <laughs> I should have said that. But I'm there in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's gonna be dope. Sunday, March 18th. It's gonna be at 1 p.m. It's gonna be poems, bones of the spirit. Featuring my good friend Christine Harvison and um two other poets, Brent Butler and Matt Gaskin. If you've never been to Poems Bones of the Spirit, I was honored to um, be featured in it this past Saturday at the Deckle Edge Festival. Very dope event. Thank y'all friends for coming. I appreciate y'all. Thank Same you there in spirit. That was your presence, man. So thank you. I was I was there in spirit. I know, I felt awesome job too. I mean I was like really because you don't normally read. I don't. I don't read. Oh, sorry. <laughs> just playing. Well, yeah. No, no, not playing. Um, it was it was very dope. Thank y'all for supporting, man. It was awesome. Um, but that's gonna be absolutely free. So we'll just gonna be like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> we'll just play out. Support someone else? What? All right. <laughs> I do support people. March twenty fourth. Um, you. I was going to tell him the, the text message you sent me um, before Blue Note. I was like, I was texting you about it. He was like, all right, well, that's good to know, even though I'm not going anywhere tonight. <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I don't remember. But I remember saying something like that. You're just a dirtbag. You, you don't even remember. Uh, man, I came to your little... I came to your... Uh, My little... See? <laughs> see? <laughs> Moving on. I came to your uh, you panel. You it up. You messed it up. Hashtag support black business. March, <laughs> March 24th. 12 p.m. We're going to have D.D. Del... Bill Gatto, um, voice of the Vanguard, who is an amazing poet, author, activist, all that good stuff. He's going to be speaking at Indie Grits. Uh, that's a festival, an annual festival they do around downtown at um, 1013 Duke Avenue. Um, very powerful speaker, very powerful poet. Uh, that's a free event. Um, come get your, your life, get your knowledge, get all that good stuff. And uh, last day I got March 31st at 3 p.m. He's a good friend of ours. I think you know him, um, Anthony Lewis. Having his um artistic oh vibration. Yeah, man. Oh my goodness. He's been doing these painting sets. I think he just started the first one. He sold out on the first one. So he's doing oh, wow. He's doing so, wait, yeah. what, what's, what's that again? Yeah, this is March 31st at 3 p.m. Oh, no. I might be in Greenville at the Awakening to Love. Yeah, you are. That's my mom's birthday. That's yeah, not going to so. be. I have a child. <laughs> Maybe my mom want to get Lydia and go. Yeah. <laughs> That's a set. 
Tony, we there in spirit. You know, we love you. <laughs> you gonna be listening to like, oh, so y'all gonna hype it up and then not go? <laughs> no, everyone else in Columbia is gonna be there. Oh, you should. They should, man. It's gonna be music, alcohol, refreshments. It is twenty five dollars. So don't tell it. Don't don't. I like I didn't tell y'all what the admission free was. See, I gotta make that money, you know, with, on the thirty first. So <laughs> you're gonna get a whole explanation, man. This, that's what we doing. This, this, that's what we do the promo <laughs> for. Just to put it out there. Um, sorry, you wanted to shout out Tony's event? Oh, yeah. So this African cultural extravaganza is happening. I don't know if the show will be posted by then because Will is responsible for that. So you all know how that goes. Um, but it's called A Village in the Summit. It's um, Mission A to Z, which is a educational nonprofit that supports the education of children in Zambia and beyond. It is their annual fundraiser. Um so basically, it's going to be at TAPS downtown, and they do this every year, but they also do a lot of other amazing events um, from time to time around Columbia. So if you can't make it to this, because the show may not be posted in time for you to hear about it, then you can just go to a to z.org. Um, go to a to z.org and support, find out how you can get involved. Um, and it's that at might be relevant. 5.30, and goes from 5.30 to 9 p.m. It's totally a family event. There's going to be food, dancing. Um, storytelling, all that good stuff. So very dope. And yeah. I will be there. That's all. That's all. That's all y'all need. So, all so you need to twenty at the door. <laughs> advanced tickets are fifteen. It's a fundraiser. So stop being cheap. Stop being cheap. Oh what? <laughs> As if it turned. Oh, you got. You got something. Let's go. Oh, oh, of course. So the conqueror movement will be having our second annual Falling in Love with Your Passion event uh, April 21st of this year. The time is TBA for the moment. Um, right now, we're still getting everything ready. So we'll, you know, be made. it's a networking event for one. It's a networking event for young black professionals. So, you know, whatever you do, make sure you, you get out there. And, you know, it's a free event. Just come out, mingle with some fellow artists, fellow professionals, business art, business people, and uh, you know, just have fun. And we have wine and, and just a word. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. So now I really want to go. <laughs> um, but no, I think Columbia needs more of that. The location is Charleston, South Carolina. Oh wow! Yeah, it's going to be in Charleston. Awesome. Um, the location is TBA. Okay. At the moment, but uh, more information coming soon. Okay, it's gonna be at somebody's house. <laughs> well, definitely not. Nothing wrong with that. Definitely not. That's how that a way. lot of real shit you went know, down. Come on, house so parties, houses. So. <laughs> Good man. So, just out of curiosity, what is the Conquer Movement? The Conquer Movement is a uh, communications platform started by Khadija Dennis. She is an alum of Very dope USC. Mike knows her as well. She has been, the Conquer Movement is five years old. Okay. We're moving into our sixth year, so we're really having bigger events, and, and we're able to really throw these events and really bring people together. And, you know, we have documentary showings. We just recently had one at the Rich Legacy Hut of Find Your Life Spirituality Documentary. Mm -hmm. um, as Selma Bauer, we are currently working on a uh, What is Masculinity? To be released later this year, so stay tuned. So since we're talking about kind of talking masculinity today, mm -hmm. can you explain the what is masculinity documentary you're working on? 
Yes, well, it started with a uh, conversation between me and the creative director of Company Timberbrand. Uh, we were at our last Finding Falling in Love with Your Passion event last year, or our brunch. We started a brunch series from the event. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were at one of the brunches, and we noticed at a few brunches there was more women than men. So we were just wondering, like, why, why are the you know, why are the brothers coming out? You know, why are we getting equal representation? We're just seeing women, which we love to see our sisters, but we want to see more representations representation of us too, so we can have those conversations. Right. And the conversation started with me and him, and we had more conversations with our friends, and we were just like, you know what, we should make something like this because we haven't seen anything talked about. You know, you see, the, you know, the women are all they they're talking about their experiences all the time. You know, you have big yeah. specials, but it's like when you don't see the men coming together and us talking about our insecurities and talking about things that we go through because it doesn't fit in with the, you know, stereotype of what masculinity is supposed to represent. This strength, this, this, we don't have emotions, you know, this something we'll start, like that. I mean, we'll start. You're pretty masculine. Can you tell us what? <laughs> <laughs> yes, because I've integrated both aspects of uh, of, of what you stuttered and femininity because I was looking at you and I kind of threw up a little bit and in you, my mouth. I mean, so because um, you can't have me. <laughs> oh Lord! Because right. I don't engage okay, in reality. Shut up! <laughs> oh, that was a good one. I gotta give it up. He was sucking that in, yo. He was ah! like, "Fuck oh, out of here!" Go ahead. By the way, Will hates the fact that women are always sharing their experiences. I saw the look of disgust on what you call the damn line. Like, oh, that is a damn <laughs> like, yeah, women yeah, yeah, talking, talking. We're currently, we're currently shooting. Uh, we just shot our second session. First session happened at uh, Kendall's house, like at night, and we were there for like three hours because all the nobody wanted to leave. We all were having such a good conversation because we. All the other guys were like, man, we never get to talk about this. The guys, you know, yeah. we want to talk about our experience to guys who can really relate to us and really build some type of bond to where we can start having these discussions. It becomes normalized in the culture for men to talk about their feelings so they're not pent up and they don't, you know, create. We don't we don't see what we're seeing in Hollywood now to where a man has to, because of his insecurities, has to go out and be on the offense like our president whose name would not be you know, <laughs> no, we know, we know that's the perfect example of toxic masculinity yeah. and the really the only way that we can move something forward is by healing the problem and we have to admit that <laughs> black men need to be healed just that's by true. talking For sure. you know conversations is what starts peace and brings about treaties because people can understand each other and we can understand ourselves and understand yeah. what our problems are and move forward absolutely so you say you're shooting a documentary. So, like, what kind of got you into video production and, you know, kind of what inspired you? That's not not usually a field you hear about black men going into. Exactly. What started me is really at a young age, I just knew that I was, like, super creative in fourth grade. I would get happy and things just came to me. And I couldn't control it. Visions would come to me. I'd have dreams about things. And I just had to, like, get it down because it was, like, they were so vivid. And I thought they were cool. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I really started, I made my first movie, well, it started with acting, really. Um, I took drama all four years of college, I mean, not four years of college, four years of high school. Mm-hmm. And um, I just started to love it, really fall into it, and it was it was a sport to me. 
you know, everybody was saying because of my size, because of being black, you get hit with that stigma. You need to play football, you play basketball. And it's like that wasn't what I was passionate about. Mm-hmm. But I actively, you know, acting on stage in front of people was a sport we had to exercise too. We had to project our voice, you know. And I think arts need need that respect because these are things because of me taking that and having to do articulation exercises that translates to public speaking to where I can get on a podcast and clearly pronounce my words or I can get a job in the future or, you know, I can start a business because I'm able to communicate with clients from different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. So, you know, things like this, the arts, we really need more attention to and make it not just an elective, but something, a part of the core curriculum. But that's another conversation. Mm -hmm. That's off topic. Um, (laughs) But yeah, my, my, that really, I I saw the power in, in filmmaking power of art because art is what drives the world like artists we 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 run this it's our art that translates to multiple generations and make us live forever and it's art is the only thing that's really eternal other than nature Hmm. you remember art from thousands of years ago it's preserved you know so there has to be some value to it and we create that and it changes the world because art creates movements Arts contribute to movements and make them grow. So if we could see the power that we have, you know, once I tap into that and then realize I was chosen for this because I didn't choose to have these visions and things come to me, I had to express it. It really gave me confidence because I was able to use something that I love to affect people in a positive way, change people's minds, show them a different outcome, show them something different than what they've seen. Yeah. And that That's really what drove me into imaging and wanting to record and create different images for people. What's up, man? What's up, man? What's up, man? You start with uh, unemployment that made you lead to... <laughs> uh, Actually, yes. Becoming a tarot card reader? It was Actually, unemployed. Yes. It was gross poverty. <laughs> That's what it was. More like um, acute poverty. Because um, I was still cute. <laughs> but I think that... I think that... Um, first of all, I was just lost to the words that Terrence was saying because you are a great speaker. I love how articulate you are and I can tell that you speak from the heart. Um, and I share a lot of the same experiences you have as far as like art kind of saving me in school being the only thing that kind of kept me in school because I was about to be a high school dropout and mm-hmm. look good doing it. Like, okay, fuck this. I don't need school. But, um, you know, so um, tarot card reading, just it's just something that I knew I had to do even though I've always kind of been an intuitive reader and I didn't need the cards. It's hard for me now with the relationship I do have with those images to say now that I don't need them. I think they are such, what I love most about tarot card reading is connecting with other people. And I feel like having the cards is kind of a bridge between me and the other person's consciousness really does help me connect with them. Um, So, I'm I'm not trying to interrupt. I'm sorry. So, a person seeing the cards helps them... I guess grasp the concept that you're telling them? Yes, because even though I can probably already, like, I call it plugging in. It's something, it does not happen in the physical, so try to wrap your mind around this, Will. But it's like you're plugging into that person's energy, and that person has agreed to allow you to, I mean, by them coming to you and asking for a reading, um, it's like kind of like they're they're dropping some kind of veil of uh, protection. And this is all in on the energetic realm, and I can kind of plug in and tune into that person and see what they're going through, have insights into their situation or whatever the case may be. Sometimes even kind of see, not physically or visually, but just kind of feel a presence of their ancestors or angels or other entities that are assigned to protect them, you know, in the unseen world. So 
I say all that to say, um, it is kind of like unemployment drove me to that because after getting sick and going through my whole, um, I guess you call it quarter life crisis or Saturn return, a lot of people call it, and transitioning into my 30s, like I really had to get on purpose with my life and decide like, you know, people say, oh, you, you should try to sing. No, I love singing, don't get me wrong, but I knew that um, I wanted to do something more on a spiritual realm um, and I just felt there was another vehicle through which I could do that. Tarot card reading is just one manifestation of me kind of building this curriculum, I guess you could say, for how I want to teach the world that to see God in themselves, really. Uh, I can actually uh, be a testimony. I've had a reading from Star, and it really, like, honestly, this morning, I actually went back because I took a picture of the cards. Yeah. And I went back and dug deeper and it really helped me. Oh, yeah. That's so, awesome. I love that. Yeah. So thank you for that. So it didn't completely derail your life. No, it actually <laughs> it helps not. people. Will. I don't know if you got that from what I just said. Well, I know Try you I know follow. you read well, she didn't, you cards. The kindergarten teacher's voice. I don't too. care. I'm She's sure insignificant. I'm not insignificant. <laughs> or else you wouldn't <laughs> Will loves me, y'all. Okay. I, I don't want I don't want people to hear this and be like, dang, they're really going in. This is supposed to be about uplifting each other. So, you know, they should know that it's actually all good. It's about uplifting everybody else. I, you guys just want to tear each other apart. <laughs> okay, so serious no. question though. Yeah. As far as challenges with people taking tarot, tarot card reading seriously, um, has it, I guess, hurt or helped you that you look like a clown? <laughs> or a sexy clown? No, actually, no, seriously. Um, pretty sexy clown. How, how do you, how have you gotten over the obstacles of, you know, kind of the the stigma behind tarot card reading and the people considering it foolishness or fake or you know I what I mean? Does it. it like never discourage you or? No. Okay, good talk. I'm almost like, what are you even talking about? No, I mean, serious. Like, some people. 98% of people come to me asking me to do this for them because they understand the value of it. I mean, this is an ancient practice, you know, and we are reclaiming our ancient practices. And we're doing that. You're a griot, a storyteller, you know what I mean? A seer. Like, I mean,. Well, I don't know what you do, but Mike, you know, you're a scribe, you're a writer, you you are a teacher as well. You teach the clarity of your example, I like to say. Will, you teach people how not to live. So, (laughs) I think that, (laughs) because we know it's true. We don't don't need no penny pot. (laughs) So, um, but no, law of polarity, you got to see both sides of it. You got to know what you want and what you don't want. So, I'm looking at it right here. (laughs) I think that to your point about people coming to you and with open arms. I think that goes to like kind of going where you're, how Charlamagne would say, where you're celebrated rather than where you're tolerated. Or where you are loved. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I think if you do have a lot of people with a lot of, you know, scrutinize you about what you do, you know what I'm saying? Why would you keep going to those same people? So, I think that's, that's yeah, I think I'm going to kind of back in later in the conversation. Right. No, I was going to say, just to your point, I learned that a long time ago. Oprah said that, go where you are loved. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's, Stayed with me, and I was like, "Yeah, duh," because I love to be loved. Why would I? What, why would I want to be somewhere where I'm not wanted? That's where I have the most pride. I'm too prideful right. to be somewhere that I'm not wanted. You know, so um, I don't try to go to the church and say, "Hey, can I teach y'all about tarot?" Mm-hmm. No, like there's a whole community of people that are into those kind of spiritual arts. So I just kind of hang out there. 
What's up? I believe that, you know, it's about charge because one thing I've learned at, from my Christian experience is, you know, a lot of, it, it, it really is a culture for a lot of self-hate to, to really be there because in my particular church, we had a picture of Jesus and he was white and he was mm. on the back window, like in our faces, <laughs> in our faces. So when people look mm. back, that that's what they saw as Jesus. And it's like a part of you has to really partake in some self-hate because mm. your savior is not of your descent or color. So it's like, what, well, do, what do you think of yourself? That's you know, what you, it's really practiced because you see a lot of times in the black church, gossiping, judging people yeah. that come in, yeah. you know, putting labels on people. And it's like, that is a form of self-hate. Why can't you see your brother or sister and, and see, you know, compliment him? Right. And be quick to have a thought in their mind to tear them apart and expect them to find refuge in your religion because you practice that religion and this is what you do. This is how you live. Is it helping you or is it hurting well, you? That's when, because we were taught that you need to spread your religion to everybody. If you're not encouraging other people to follow your same religion, then you're sinning as well. So, yeah. And that's why we're going to have that spiritual, spirituality versus religion talk later on and kind of get some thoughts on that. Too. Oh, yeah, of course. That's, that's still on the topic. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's, let's try and jump into this toxic masculinity. So <clears throat> um, a lot of things going on in the world. I'm not going through them. <laughs> Because I don't like your ass. But it's not for me, it's for your, your Shut up. Toxic masculinity is a hot topic. See how he feels about y'all? Oh, we already established Will hates black women on the podcast. Oh, okay. I don't. That's not, that's not the truth. Um, I'm not fond of one black woman. But uh, the rest of y'all are good in my book. That's such a lie. You don't even sound honest at all. All right, so I am going to give y'all the... Well, there is no Webster version. That's what I was going to say. Yes, that, that, I'm sure there will be soon. Sure All be. right, so Wikipedia. That's <laughs> the best we can do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the concept of toxic masculinity is used in psychology and sociology to describe certain traditional, certain traditional male norms of behavior in the United States and Europe that are associated with harm to society and to men themselves. Such toxic, such toxic masculine norms include the traits of dominance, devaluation of women, Extreme self-reliance and the suppression of emotion. Did you get joy out of me stuttering for right. a second? <laughs> Did I? No, I was just thinking about how there's no way you could have read that because you can't read. You must have memorized it. It was actually the audio. Like I replayed it over and over, and then I just read I it went to sleep. And yeah, <laughs> you remember that episode of Dexter? I was just about to say that. I'm gonna let you from Yeah. Oh my god. That's the Dexter we call. But yeah, so, um. First off, do y'all believe, because I think there's a discussion here. I don't think everyone in the room believes that toxic masculinity is a thing. Well, <laughs> okay, so can I just start? Go for it. Begin? Um, hearing that um, memorized definition of <laughs> toxic masculinity, um, yeah, in that, in that sense, it does exist. <laughs> But what I would like to offer is this idea that, you know, you cannot have to toxic masculinity without its counterpart, which would be some kind of toxic or suppressed feminine nature or femininity. So it's like, I mean, we're all in this Preach. shit together. So there's, I mean, we gotta just, we can't just compartmentalize it and say, let's point the finger at all the shit that men are doing wrong mm -hmm. and all the ways that masculinity, when it goes wrong, 
infects us and then not look at what women are doing. And I, I mean, maybe we are, and maybe we could say, oh, we're just going to talk about men right now, but we'll get to the women later. But it's like, when you look at it, in order not to feel bad about it, because for me, feeling good is the, is the ultimate, is the ultimate um, place to be, you know? So feeling at peace with yourself and at peace with the world's happenings, even if you do want to enact change in it, I feel like that change has to happen within yourself. So it's like healing your relationship to the masculine, but you also have to heal your relationship with the feminine. And for women who always want to point the finger at men, I feel like that means healing our relationship with ourselves. And the reason why I just go there um, first is because I'm a woman. I love having a vagina and everything, yeah. all the benefits that come with it. And I, awesome. I've had to actually really do a lot of healing around this. So I don't see a lot of examples of toxic masculinity in my world because I don't have those glasses on anymore. I don't have those toxic masculinity colored glasses on anymore. But I did used to see a hell of a lot of it um, and notice a lot of it and even experience it when I didn't understand. It wasn't even that I was trying to look at men as bad or anything like that. I just hadn't healed um, my relationship with you know, we got to hear our relationship with our fathers. That's our first kind of manifestation of masculinity that really deeply affects us and our relationship with God, because most people do see God as just a man. So we got to heal all those relationships to the masculine. I feel like once we do that, we'll just look at it. Well, it's just toxic. It's just toxic fucking behavior. You know what I mean? Well, I think the reason you would say toxic masculinity is because what you first said at first, which is you might want to just focus on the men for that particular, you know, conversation. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. Men and boys, because it is certain things that are taught only to men and boys on how to how we act, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Or how we're supposed to act mm-hmm. that affects how we react. So I think that's why you made that. Yeah, and and I understand that, but I just wanted to because being a spiritual person, I'm always looking at things from the broader perspective. It's really yeah, difficult absolutely. for me not to. So I'm like from on a spiritual level, the law of polarity. I mean, you can't have the bad without the good. So then there's also, are we going to focus on the things that men are doing right? Because I never hear that shit either. And so just law of attraction, you know what I'm saying? If you Mm -hmm. focus on the negative all the fucking time, that's all you're going to continue to see. I think that's a great point. So that could be one way we heal that shit. I was just about to say, I think that's the main, like, okay, so there's some forms of toxicity. If I can say this right. I know. It's such a difficult word. That's why I don't even like to say it. I know, right. This is not meant for me to say. Right. I can barely even say it. There's certain points of it where, you know, there's men that's going to do detrimental shit because they're just bad people and that's always going to happen. But if you want to see mass change, then yeah, show the change that you want to happen on a whole nother scale. You know what I'm saying? Versus the negative shit. Like. And that's where you got to be careful with the social justice thing, man. There's a lot of people who want to... <laughs> you hate social justice. I don't hate it at all. I don't hate it. Will will tell you. Greg, if he was here, will tell you. I was the one in our group trying to introduce it to our way of thinking. But, like, <laughs> you realize... <laughs> <laughs> you do realize there's a lot of people who were already just cynical. <laughs> and, like, you know, just passive-aggressive in so many ways and just... Wanting to be angry all the time anyway. They just had other ways of exploring it. And now we just got so, new uh, words to label the shit with. And that's where we're at right now. Yeah. That's just very true for a lot of people. I'm not saying, you know, the masses don't have a point. But you got to be careful of people who just always got some shit to say about men. Or women, for that matter. It's just like your homeboys who always talking shit about women. Like, mm-hmm. one thing I hate hearing is like the whole, like, women don't want a good man shit. And they just go on and on about yeah. I cheated this girl to, um, I was kind of Gerard. <laughs> Gerard got the story of how he took this woman on a date 
Spent like oh, fifty something dollars. You remember this? Fifty dollars. Fifty something dollars. He felt. He felt and bad. took it to oh, California Dreaming and took it out to the movie. And he said, "Let's just say you owe." Well, he said that's how much the dinner cost. All that stuff, and then he was like, "Man, he ain't even touch me, nothing. He ain't invite me in the house." She was probably repulsed by him. And now, wow, there's no hope. Because wow. how could you not be man. repulsed by a man who has the vibration of "I spent fifty one dollar bills on you," which is quickly decreasing in value every minute of the day, and think that now I'm supposed to allow you inside of me if I have any sense of self worth? Because it's like if I don't think anything of myself, sure, anybody can just come in. Yeah, exactly. Anybody can come in. But if I value myself, then how can you put a monetary value on it? But at the same time, you know, yeah, I spent money. Money's energy. It's currency. But it's like, yeah, that that sucks. And she could probably feel that. So she probably... That's what I told her. I said, bro, you probably gave up the vibe. Like, I didn't spend all this money. Now what I get? Because to me, all this money, it's like, whoa, that's not all this money. Did you take that helicopter ride? of all this money. $50. Wow. And then you took me to California Dream. I mean, how is their food even? Like, the what? how is their food eating? You know what I'm it's saying? Like, good food. Really? Yeah, it is pretty good. Because food. I've seen pictures. I'm just like, I feel like it's the type of food that everybody thinks is good just because it's such a famous no, restaurant. No, that's good. It's good. Okay, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I have to try that out because I'm, I'm sick of being disappointed at restaurants. I eat pearls. Well, maybe not say that because you know. <laughs> you enjoyed it for the moment. And then if they, they did not have fresh squeezed grapefruit juice in their cocktail. <laughs> I was like, how do you want to give me this shit from a can? You talking about Dante? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh. You took her out in public. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Karen, please give your thoughts. <laughs> no, but I got. No, I, I love that though. Oh, well, I feel like from from my perspective, what really killed, what creates the the image of to- toxic masculinity or femininity is this creation of expectations. You know, people have expectations of people and and people are more obsessed with controlling other people than controlling themselves. They don't realize their actions are are simply manifested negative thoughts that you've never dealt with, negative feelings that you've never dealt with, playing itself out. I tried to explain this, you know, to a, a few people in my life, really to let them know, like, you have to heal yourself. If you're right. going through something and you feel a certain type of way, if you people need to start taking more ownership of their emotions because they're self-expression. They need to address Nobody can place. make you feel anything. You can't come to me and say, he made me do it. Um, <laughs> is he is in, in control of your brain and your motor functions? No, he's not. <laughs> so something in you reacted to something that they said, and that's what you need to deal with. Because yeah. if you have buttons that can be pushed, they're going to be pushed. Yeah, and, and, and that everybody has that though. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, has to that. an extent, but but it's like if you question those, it's like why is that? There's something that I'm not dealing with that I'm questioning. It is so important. It's exactly, so very the beginning of the healing. I was just listening to a podcast about this the other day, and mm-hmm. it was just so beautiful because it was like there was an actual process to healing uh, triggers, and they come from mostly childhood wounds. But it's like there's a problem. There's a way to heal the shit if you want to. So the thing is, do you want to? Do you want to do the inner work? And I love that we're talking about this from this perspective because I feel like a lot of other podcasts approach it from a perspective of naming events that happen with other fucking people they never seen before, never heard before, and they have decided to ingest this news, bring it into their being from social media, so that they can continue to look at everything in the world that looks like toxic masculinity to them, but not talk about. My father was never there. My father stopped touching me when I developed boobs. You know what I mean? And now I feel abandoned by the masculine or whatever. 
the case may be, or I really like this dude and he totally fucking rejected me and like, you know, or whatever the case may be. It's like, yeah. we don't want to do that kind of work. Um, I say continue to affirm that men are awesome. Once I started doing that, and I always have to thank this teacher, Kenya K. Stevens, for putting that out there because she was like, she was teaching all these women to continually affirm that men love to serve me, men love me, men adore me, men love to protect me. And whatever you want the masculine to serve in your life, if you even want to acknowledge that, continue to affirm that and slowly but surely, because the thing is, when you say it and it doesn't resonate with you, you're going to feel some type of way about it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so that's when you begin to ask the questions, like, why don't I even believe this? Do I not feel worthy of this? So... When you start affirming that, you will start to see that because you'll start to change. And um, it's difficult at first. It's a journey and mm -hmm. purification by fire is what I like to say. Like we have to go through some shit sometimes. It's what we signed up for when we decided to incarnate into this experience. Oh, yeah. yeah. When I was in middle school, actually, um, and I shared this on Facebook in a video, I wrote a letter to myself. And it was the most hateful thing because I was always getting bullied. And, I, and my mindset around it was, you know what, if, if I hurt my, if I can say something to hurt myself to the point where nobody else can hurt me because I, I know the most about me, if mm -hmm. I can't hurt me, then they can. I did it as an experiment, but I didn't realize the lasting effects of it until years later. You know, it was just something I was reading it. I, I wrote out a, the meanest letter talking about, you know, that's why your father left you and all these things just to hurt myself, just to take myself, to give myself the pain tolerance. But what ended up happening was it, it, it had lasting effects because because I did that, I was attracting toxic people to me. I was attracting people who wanted to hurt me because I was hurting myself. Right. And people don't see that you're a magnet. So I really had to change my mindset. It happened a few years ago to really get to start, you know, if, if you don't have, if I don't have a good feeling around you, if I don't feel that you support me or add to me or give to me any type of good energy, I can't be around you. Because mm -hmm. I can't keep treating myself badly. And I can't allow you to treat me badly. I have to treat myself better. And once I started doing that, just I'm going to follow my passion no matter what anybody says because this is what I love. Right. And as I studied and got more into it, I realized, hey, this is something that I can monetize and, be, and, and create a business behind. So it's like if you trust yourself and put that, that battery pack in yourself, like I can do this. I can heal myself. I can be a better person, and I want to because you really emit out. You you are light. You affect and touch more people. Your kids are going to grow up learning from what you do, not what you tell them. Because if what you tell them contrasts your actions, it, it, they're going to end up being you <laughs> and doing what you do and telling their children otherwise. But it doesn't work. You lead by example. So if everyone focused on healing themselves, it really people who are watching you are going to heal themselves just but because I'm following my passions and really having this for going forth ambition I've seen you know my mom affected from it she's actually you know going up for a higher position in her job and you know it made me proud because I'm like she's watching me come home happy telling her all these great stories and great people that I'm meeting it makes her want to do something more in her life so you affect people more by action by increasing and bettering yourself and bettering your life People are going to watch you like, what are you doing? Why are you so happy? Maybe I should find out what makes me happy so I can do it. And that's how you affect people. You know, you can't just tell them. You can't just try to sell them on it. You have to show them that this thing works. I want to go back to the experiment that you said you did because 
I was like, ooh, I'm going to use this on my middle school kids. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I love it. So, um, but I think it is really important. I love the idea of what you did. Mm-hmm. I don't like the fact that you said that, you know, it ended up hurting you in the end. Yeah. But the idea that if I take myself to the depths of my, my darkest part of my shadow, mm-hmm. then I've already been there. So ain't shit you could tell me about me. So I totally understand that. And I yeah. think there is a way we could modify that exercise and have kids do that. Because, you know, I've worked with kids of all ages or whatever. So it's mm-hmm. like, and they deal with bullying. And it's such a growing problem, right? Because we don't love ourselves. So we, you know. We you think it's a bigger problem than it was, used to be? I think the only reason it's bigger really because sure. of social media. Maybe it's because of you. It could be. <laughs> it's like, it I'm could be. I think I'm just because it used to be, it seems like it used to be bullying would take place at school or maybe in around the neighborhood or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. But then you get in your house and, you know, you probably have to speak about the rap. <laughs> but like, oh. now it's like, <laughs> I ain't talking about me now. <laughs> um, now it's like, as a kid, you get bullied at school, around the neighborhood, and then you go home and get on social media, what <clears> a lot of kids are doing, and you get it twice as much. And... I feel like that because the kids are committing suicide over the side of bullying. And and you get home and hopefully you have the support of your family who right. loved you, even if you had older brothers and sisters or whatever, or older cousins who kind of bullied you, you knew that they would be the ones to stand up for you if that bullying right. happened outside of the home mm-hmm. or home environment. But kids aren't even having that. Like, having worked in a shelter, I realized we cannot take it for granted that these kids have parents and families who love them. We can't just say that Yo, shit in such a assumptory way anymore. Like, exactly. so I know your mama going, <laughs> she's not going to like it. If, and it's like, well, I don't have a fucking mother. You know what I mean? My mother's like, you know, just kicked me out. Or my mother, um, you know, doesn't give a fuck about me. She left. So, I mean, mm-hmm. we have to stop assuming that people are coming from healed homes and healed families and everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think if we take that into consideration, mar- I mean, marry that knowledge um, and insight into people's possible situations with compassion coupled with our own inquiry into ourselves and why we do have these triggers. So maybe not write a letter letter to myself saying how horrible I am, but maybe writing the letter in the form of a question. Why do I feel horrible? Why do I feel worthless? Um, because of this and doing it in a way that you have a conversation with yourself, which I know, Mike, you tell me you do all the time and you always did as a kid. So it's like, um, just there's several layers to you and there is a part of you that's the ego, that's the hurt, wounded inner child that we Mm -hmm. have to talk to and maybe ask that part of us questions. It was part of the exercise of the podcast I was listening to last night. It's basically, you know, um, why does it hurt me when people say, because when Will says I'm ugly, I know he's literally praising me. You know what I mean? Like in reality, he's praising my beauty. He's so affected by it that he can't even put words together properly. So it's coming out in the way that it's coming out. And I forgive him for that. So, <laughs> so I know what it is and it makes me laugh. It delights me. It's like, whatever. When you really know who you are in certain ways, somebody trying to insult you will delight you and make you laugh and be like, Forgive him because he knows it's not what he what he does. But when you really are triggered by that, that's when you have to do the inquiry. So basically, I feel like this podcast shouldn't just be about, you know, let's just have a discussion and agree to disagree. No. Like, what are we going to do to give people tools to actually mm-hmm. do the thing we're saying that we should do to end all this shit is actually start free writing. You know, tonight, <laughs> put on some meditation music. It's all free on YouTube. Light a candle. Get a piece of paper. 
and start writing whatever you feel. Start asking yourself, like, why do I feel, you know, what was the most hurtful thing ever said to me and why did it hurt me? You can start with that question. Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, that that goes to the point of we need to really encourage curiosity because a lot of us as children, our curiosity was killed by our parents because when we started to ask questions that they couldn't understand, that made them angry because they haven't done that self-healing work on themselves. They lash out at us thinking that we're trying to hurt them. And, and when you have that that toxicity in the household, it's like what I've learned from my switch change of spiritual beliefs is the family is the true holy trinity. So if your family is not intact, then you're not going to be intact because these are people that you grow up with. You, you have a lifelong bond and connection to. So if those relationships aren't right, then none of your relationships in life are going to be right because it stems <clears throat> from that first relationship. So... This is what I'm saying. <laughs> that, that, that needs to be the focus. I was watching um, was CBS this morning, and um, Oprah was on there, and she said that she went to a, a speaking where they said um, we should make we should bring more attention to you know we should be asking what happened to you instead of what's wrong with you, you know. And she said yes. she's going to take that and implement that more in her South African school. And say no, we're not. We're not going to look at it as what's wrong with you. We're going to look at it what happened to you, because it's the sooner you start to understand that, the sooner you can become a better adult. Because those childhood things are healed in childhood. It doesn't linger on, and and you don't carry it into being a bad adult because you're holding on to this baggage mm -hmm. and you're identifying with, with the pain yes. instead of saying this is something that happened to me. This is me. Yeah. It's like th it's that. That's me. yeah. Um, I, I love that question, and I find myself asking kids that just <laughs> naturally, like, what happened? Are you okay? Like, mm -hmm. when they do something that I don't like or that they shouldn't be doing or they're just acting up, it's like, I ask that question naturally, really because I'm just trying to make a joke out of their behavior, but mm -hmm. I find it's actually much better than, what is wrong with you? You know, exactly. I mean, I have asked a kid, are they insane? Because I just be like, <laughs> you must be insane. You think you got to really do this. Right. right. Please be. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, what happened to you? And going back to the family structure is basically, it's just like it's said in so many ways and so many, I mean, you can go back to um, a lot of indigenous um, forms of spirituality. Excuse me if I don't know the exact names, but I know the family is like really an important unit. And I love what you said. It's so beautiful that it's actually the original Holy Trinity and how they broke that up because it took the woman out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's a form of toxic masculinity. To yeah, yeah. Satisfied yeah. people. Oh, we got like, back there. You know? <laughs> but see, that's not our world. That's not like we don't see the world that way. Yeah. It's hard to talk you about. You know it exists, that we, but we don't really identify. I don't feel as... that I'm living in a like I don't feel I'm living in a rape culture. I don't feel mm -hmm. like I'm living in okay. a bunch around a bunch of toxic men. No. The men who I know care and the men who I know are constantly working on themselves. But see that's your themselves. world. That's you know, I think we're all pretty well rounded people. You know what I mean? We're all Wait, we're you're not just, even all people. So you're we're just all... round. How about that? <laughs> I know you ain't talking. <laughs> <laughs> round, soft, beautiful curves. Yes, you're right. You're something. You see? You're everything something. he says to me You're like the, you're like the stay puff marshmallow man from the first okay. Ghostbusters. Who is extremely loved by the way. <laughs> he was a bad guy. You've never seen the movie, have you? You don't remember. I was reading breakfast. while you were watching. I think. <laughs> to start's point. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, you can know that you're. It's just the same way with me. Like I have. Well, I don't have a lot of friends that say this, but I've heard a lot of dudes say nothing but you know mostly bad shit about women, about women's standards these days, how they expect too too much and want to give too little. Um, a lot of women that just don't care about getting careers or doing something with their personal lives. They just look for a man to just do everything for them, so they can just do whatever. And I don't see that. My circle, like, at all. That's just, uh, whoever said that is so, it's so angry. You see these, like, angry-ass memes and shit, man. You see these angry-ass tweets with people just... Well, because, but but the thing is, the same people (laughs) in the movement who really say that there is, you know, that women ain't shit or whatever and that women don't want a good man are the same men who are upset that women are climbing the corporate ladder and are getting careers. So it's like, well, what is the argument, really? So I guess, you know, obviously there's different factions of people who believe different things but um i say at the end of the day men who complain about a bunch of women it's like well you're choosing those women you're attracting those women so look at that women who complain about men in their lives all the time and they get joy from that or whatever it's like at the end of the day you attracted those men you invited them in your life and your energy field and they were there and that's what you see you know what you see is what you get what you see is a reflection of, of who you are or things going on within you so look at that and then um Another thing I wanted to add to that is, ooh, I forgot. <laughs> come back to it. Uh, yeah. Do this so, well, I had a question for Terrence real quick. Mm-hmm. In your experience, while, while y'all were doing that, the documentary, mm-hmm. uh, earlier you said that you know, you you had people from a bunch of different backgrounds. Yes. What was the, I guess, common thing that shaped their opinions on toxic masculinity? Well, we, we started with, you know, we wanted to start it within our community because we see a lot of outcries and we see a lot of personal things on social media coming from black women who've been hurt. And, mm-hmm. and for me, it's like it was really broadening my, my horizon on it because I've talked to different women with different experiences with how they dealt with man and men. And it's like even with my ex, I always wanted to get down to, okay, how did this start? You know, how did this how, how did your relationship with men get this bad? It was always something <laughs> Sorry, deeper. I mean, but it started that way, but it's like, okay, does it partially, you know, it, it, your experience affect your expectations of men? Like, because you've been treated a certain way, you expect to be treated like that, but that says more about yourself than it does about, you know, the men. But I also wanted to ask the question, okay, well, why are men doing this? Why do you feel it's okay to manipulate women who've been hurt and have a certain, you know, why do you feel that's okay versus protecting her naturally? So we wanted to really dive into that question in our community. So the common nature with everyone was, you know, with mostly black men mm-hmm. who, you know, some of us had a father in the home, but he represented a certain type of masculinity mm-hmm. um, that wasn't all the way good. You know, he had some traits that were old school that was based around what black women tolerated at that time because of the importance of having the man there mm-hmm. presence and it's like now women it's it's getting more to a point where the woman is comfortable or feels that that presence isn't needed anymore and that is a problem because it creates a rift in the structure because your children are now going to have the same problem with men that you do you're passing down a bad trait so we want to eventually get to talking to women about that and that contribution we're actually going to have a, a all uh women panel on the topic of masculinity and how it affects them and how they affect it. So, because there is an independent 
relationship, you know, between men and women. We have to get along like other cultures because they have the strong family bases and family literally is wealth. Look at, you know, Wayne's family or, you know, people who built empires with their name alone. Even the Kardashians. Say what you want about them, but their family we don't the Kardashians on the phone. Too. Together. Oh, no, sorry. We don't. I'm just playing. I'm just, I just made that <laughs> But I mean, just just their family structure. If there's anything positive to pull from them, it would be their relationship. They they don't cross a certain line to where you see in a lot of you know our experience with some of our family members is not as tight knit. Sometimes you know we can have grudges with a cousin or someone very close to us for decades and not talk to them. You know, because when like that money that. is on the line. I mean, it's like at the end of the day, we got to come back together because we got to film this episode. We signed contracts, and that's millions of dollars. What I mean, I don't really watch that show. I don't really watch reality show like that, but I do like some reality shows. Oh, the Braxtons is another one. I love that. The Braxton that would have been a better. Uh... Well, maybe not necessarily because um, one of the most beautiful episodes I did see of the Kardashians of like the six or seven I've seen is when they threw their mom her 60th birthday party. I saw that. Yeah, see, it's like, that one really stands out. It's just like, not only were the clothes fabulous, that's why I mostly watch the show, clothes. Yeah. But, I only saw that because I was in a relationship at the time. No, so bro, you ain't got to clear it up. No, just, just put yeah, it out Yeah, I love there. women to watch whatever the hell they want, you know? Exactly. So it's like, I really just feel like, yeah, when money is on the line, and it maybe wasn't even about that, but it's just about, you know, I don't do anything about my sister. It's like, no, I'm fighting with my sister. But at the end of the day, yeah. you give a fuck that you're fighting with your sister. That's what gets, because it doesn't mean you won't hurt each other. It doesn't mean that there won't be rifts and conflicts, but the goal should be to come back together. Easier said than done sometimes. But what I wanted to um, say that I forgot before is that um, we also have to think about that every single man who comes out, toxic or not, first of all, began as a woman in the womb. We cannot discount that. Began as the other gender or sex, whatever you want to call it, but also came from a woman. And more than likely, was raised by only a woman. So what's up with that? Because yeah. even if the man left and was toxic in his way of abandoning his family, what was the child left with that ended up being toxic? And, and why are we... We cannot talk about one without the other, is what I'm saying. Of course. But I, I can even attest to the origin of toxic masculinity. Um, we came over here on a boat. Because if we look back in, in, in history, we, we know the the, the Moors conquered Spain and Europe. And over there, they're still on. Do they have as many outbreaks as with men as we do? I mean, I'm not completely sure, but it's not public. You know, it's not mass. Because they're still in a matriarchal system. They still have a queen. You don't see a queen. Where, we where? are a patriarchal system in, in England. So, you know, in Britain. Yeah, yeah but... Okay. I mean, I'm not saying that they're perfect, but own, yeah. it's a different system. And America was literally built off of a rejection of that system. It it was probably in its purest form when the Moors conquered, you know, when it was actually... Because they still have black paintings of their deities in, in the UK. And it's, it's a different... It's a different culture. It's a culture where they're used to being ruled by a woman. So they their, their perspective on... I'm not going to say that that doesn't matter at all. Yeah. I will say that, um, yeah, okay. Well, I, I do want to say that what people say toxic masculinity is mm -hmm. definitely exists in so many parts of the world. Like when I went to the Middle East a few times just for work when I was a flight attendant, I mean, 
it was like cover your ass up, cover your arms, like mm-hmm. you're a fucking woman, and mm-hmm. don't go certain places without a man, or a man will like purposely bump into you right, right. with his stinky body, <laughs> like you know, try to rub up on you because there's like a real repression of mm-hmm. I feel like feminine power. Even though I'm not saying that yeah. just because you cover yourself that you're repressed, I'm saying that. At the end of the day, it should be a woman's fucking choice and not like, you know, and not imposed upon them. So I guess what I'm trying to say is there's no toxic masculinity without repressed femininity. And there's no toxic masculinity without toxic just fucking people and an outlook. And we got to stop just putting attention on the negative. I I don't really know how any other way to approach it, but it's like, feel that shit. Feel it within yourself and slowly begin to see more and more examples of positive, strong, protective, you know, sexy masculinity that is everything you want in a man on every level. You don't want to fuck every man. You know, it's not about that. It's like you see it in fatherhood. You'll see it in... I want to go back to what you said about... I don't know, but I just feel like um, you keep talking about family and lineage and and having something to pass down and... um, it's that Ten of Pentacles card, you know? Mm-hmm. It's that Ten of Pentacles card that I drew in your reading. It's like, mm-hmm. it's the family unit and wealth coming as a result of keeping that first and also as a result of just, um, you know, yeah, keeping that first. And I don't know, that's a card for you to meditate on. That's a card that you need to pay more attention to and an idea and a theme that is just going to be prevalent in your life if you allow it to be. It is because I want to, you know, go into what you said, really changing your your charge and your way of thinking about certain situations. I've always been a problem solver. So when I see a problem, I don't sit there and dwell on it because I'm like, why would I sit there and dwell on it? You know, that's going to make me, I don't, that doesn't feel good. The solution I want right to solve there. it. Like I see it as a challenge and I've always, as a kid, I've always loved, you know, putting things together and, and actually fixing things and like trying to think around the, the problem to create a solution so I can be the one to say, hey, I did that. It's an accomplishment and I feel good when I do when I accomplish something versus sit back and complain about it and act powerless. Because right. we all have the power to fix things in our lives. So yeah. everything I look powerless. at it as a challenge and I say, okay, challenge accepted. But what what am I going to do to, you know, make this situation different? So I think clever man. Mm-hmm. Like as far as using your power, like when you get caught up with the crowds who just <clears throat> Constantly want to complain about you know toxic masculinity or uh, oppression or anything like that. They just want to. They just act like we're completely powerless. Especially people that act like we're completely powerless as black people. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's just, <laughs> just got to be dead. It's like it's, super it's dead. the yeah. victimhood exactly. uh, approach to it. I don't mind the conversation about it as yeah. long as you come to the conversation with a sense of as long as what we're gonna do about it. Yeah. Yes. What are we gonna do about, gonna, gonna gonna go do about it? And not out there. How are we going to stop those people out there from being toxic? It's like, what am I going to... Because really, that's all you can't control. You know? People don't understand by showing negative energy, any type of energy towards something, you give more attention to it. So, like, a prime example, the H&M scandal. Uh, They didn't care because they were trending. It doesn't matter. If you're sharing the picture, you're giving them more love, and, and you're not solving the problem because you're bringing attention to the problem. And you're marketing for them. Donald Trump became president off of that concept because he was saying outrageous things, but here people are sharing it. Those yeah. analytics don't say, you know, what people are saying about what they're sharing. It just says that there's a share. Mm-hmm. So if you share it and say, this is ridiculous, you still share it. You yeah. did them a favor. 
So yeah. we have to learn, you know, what you focus on increase. When you focus mm-hmm. on negative things, you amplify them. This is the most beautiful mm-hmm. conversation I've ever heard about toxic masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> Do, you Do you want to go into the other little sub parts of it? Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> you put on those glasses like Yeah, because I can't see. Because you blinded me with your ugly face <laughs> when you came in with here. my beauty. It was a light from the See, depths of hell. Will is like one of those little three-year-old child throwing tantrums. Like, I hate you, mommy. I hate you. Like, you hate you, mommy? Yeah, you really know that. that Nothing about you is motherly. <laughs> Nothing about you lets me believe that you can give any kind of care <laughs> to anything. Uh, Are so you beautiful. done speaking? So <laughs> I will proceed now. <laughs> Proceed with your memorized script and do that. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways, um, I had a, I was thinking that does rap play a role in toxic masculinity? Like, does it keep these toxic things going? You know, you have uh, a lot of lyrics about degrading the women. Um, no, yeah, no lyrics about degrading <laughs> women. I just don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm gonna listen to what I'm gonna listen to and. Because it's like, do you throw away the whole person? I mean, there's people who said degrading shit about other people and degrading things about other things and people who just do shit. I'm just more so talking about in. You throw away the baby with the bathwater? No. It's like, no, rap is not to blame. It is going to be a representation of whatever the general consciousness is. And so look at yourself. If you want to hear the music on the radio or Spotify or the popular shit change, change what you're focusing on. There was a time when music uplifting went. Because it's finished. You know, um, music uplifting women was actually the norm. Remember the neo soul? You know, remember music when music soul child was like super popular and poetry and common and all these people. And now we're back to oh, what, the same time. Like big timers was hot. Big timers and oh, cash oh, money and all this. No, I'm being serious. Like I don't remember I think, that, but cash money. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but what is what is wrong with girls working with some ass here? I mean, what's wrong with that? I need you to pass. I, Hold on, what is it? Um, that, that, it ain't no fun unless the crew gets some. All that other well, stuff. Well, it's like, but at the end of the day, like, yeah, we, I mean, I don't know. That's just some people's preference of lifestyle, and and <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean. Well, I think listen to what you're trying to listen to, man. Come on. I think the difference comes into play when, like, it's some lyrics out there that's obviously just trying to be detrimental to women. Like, it's just obviously they don't care nothing about women. They, they just have mommy issues. I'm saying, but even if that's the it case, it don't matter. <laughs> Even if that's the case. Exactly, that's all I'm saying. I think the key as a listener or consumer in any form or fashion, same thing with movies and music and television and all that stuff, it's just when you know better yourself, like then you can listen to like anything, I feel like. Right. Well, that's, like, and that's where I'm at. And I, and I feel like <laughs> there, there should definitely be an age, more of an established age limit. Because like, at the moment, hip-hop is the only genre that doesn't have, like, you know... We, we had it at one point. We had Will Smith. He was on the top of the charts and he made clean music. We need a balance between something for the children. The children should not be listening to what the adults are listening I will, to. Yeah, I will. Because that more, more, that more but we always like, did, though. No, we Sixth always grade, did. Yeah, but we, don't, we didn't have the same platform. Our rappers back in the day didn't have the same platform these rappers have. Mm-hmm. I don't like the fact that Drake and like... <laughs> Rihanna's freaking music is being geared towards the Kids' Choice Awards. Do you? I mean, I'm talking. I'm, 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 you know, more, more discussing like toddlers. I mean, understandable. Sixth grade, you're starting to get to that point to where you're, you're discovering yeah. music for yourself. But when you aren't discovering music for yourself, 
Like, I know there's certain families that I, I've had friends who, if there's a kid in the car, you know, there's some, there's a, there's a CD that they have, mm-hmm. you know, and the kid's in the back seat, And that, that creates memories for that child as well, positive memories, mm-hmm. versus them look listening to something derogatory and they don't understand it yet. They're not at a place to understand it and it gets yeah. seeped into their subconscious and then they react based off okay. of what they heard because nobody's telling them this is just music. This is not real life. Okay. Um, I want to say something about that because mm-hmm. yes, I'm definitely all for infusing as much of whatever you feel you want your child to believe and to understand and everything mm-hmm. like that as much as possible. However, being in schools again, and working with kids, I no longer fear the fact that they are into this stuff. And the reason why is because it reminds me so much of when I was like, I mean, it's like, if your home life, it's like, you can't heal the, mu- the music. You can't heal the music and think that's going to do anything. Like, yeah. if, if, no, if, if your family is fucked up, like, yeah. no, no amount of gospel is going to help you. Like, it's, and, and just like, if your family's good, no amount of, because I was hiding a Wu-Tang cassette tape with ice cream on one side and incarcerated Scarfaces on the other. You know what I'm saying? In fifth grade, that was my shit. So it's like, even before sixth grade, I was just into what I was into. And I, even though I did not understand it, but I wanted it. And um, I think we 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 forget what it is to be a kid. Okay. And so, so what about people, so what about children who are, let's say, going through puberty? You know what I mean? It probably affects them, I think, a lot more than it would affect, you know, a child because they know some of the topics, you know what I mean? If the concept in high school is for most people to be cool, you know, or be popular or whatever, you know, you see these rappers have these images, you know, of what cool is or whatever, you know, you try and... It's always been that way, you know, if we want to look at as far back as like the rock and roll kind of era with Elvis, I mean... Elvis's pelvis, they could not stand the fact that he was moving that shit and it was like so corrupt. And so then there was, you know, we had songs that talked about LSD and different hallucinogens and, you know, suicide and it glorified that shit and everything. So it's like, we've always had this. It's not the, it's not the artist's job. I'm sorry. It's our job to continuously put the positive in it because the negative is going to come. It's just going to be out there. Nobody wants to talk about violent movies. Nobody says, you know, we just got to well, stop having our kids that. watch these violent movies. I mean, what's the, what kind of movie? Uh, the Panther thing? Black, Black Panther or whatever. Had a whole fucking war. Like, nobody talks about that shit. Like, That's oh, it's for a noble cause. Now. But like, what it's is, whole... it's still violence. Nobody cares. It's like, only the music. You only focus on the sex and the drugs and the booty and the music. It's like, no, really, your, your kid will be fine if you instill those values early. Now, if those values are not being instilled early, then that's a whole nother conversation. And it has nothing to do with what you, um, I mean, I feel like it's been proven over and over again that the music doesn't cause this shit. It's a reflection of what's already happening. I don't think, well, as far as us in this room anyway, I don't think we're saying the music causes it. I, th- I think we're saying that, you know, if you can help it, you want to instill more healthy values in your kid, more right. so than, and so when you have stuff like television, still gearing stuff like, you know, Drake sexual lyrics, Rihanna sexual lyrics, such a kid. Because Drake got such, I don't remember Drake talking about sex. What is he talking about? about? Drake, what are you, you just I remember, was, what's this guy, Future? He talked a lot about drugs. Okay. 
Yeah. You know, what's what is the guy Will Smith he talks a lot about? Like weed or something. But yeah. Drake does Drake really talk about sex like that? Yes he does. Okay, okay. but yeah. well, I mean, first of all, inherently there's nothing wrong with sex. So we need to be talking sex. to the kids about sex. Because yeah. yes, they will do. care more about what we say than what Drake says. Yeah. And, and but I we don't want to have that conversation. Too. And yeah. I don't know, I don't wanna have that conversation with them and yeah. you know. Well, I mean, as a sub, I can probably kind of do that and weave in and out of these spaces and not really have it affect me. But if I were to be a teacher in the classroom every day, it's probably such a hot button topic, something that you completely have to stay away from. So it's like everybody's afraid because they don't want to say the wrong thing and get sued. So if you don't have access to kids like that and you're just concerned with youth, it's like, well, you better go volunteer somewhere. You better just kind of find a way to talk to your nieces and nephews because it's like, I don't know. I mean, just to answer Will's whack ass question. <laughs> no, rap is not, you know, it's a reflection of what's already there. I think, for the most part, people agree. I think, and I don't want to speak for anybody. But, um, like I said, I just think if we can help it, like I said, you want to, <laughs> you definitely want to still, like I said, like Star said, you definitely want to send those values to your kids yourself. More than anything, because they will be listening to Drake and everything. They will think he is just the dopest artist of all time, and he knows everything. I don't everything think kids still think they still think that. Very much. So. Oh, I mean, he's I mean like, they hold them as the goat. I think you know because that's what young. they grew up on. We thought something else was great that did, our predecessors were like, like said, no, we that's still had bad. good family groundings. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we, maybe we did in this room, but mm-hmm. it's like there's a lot of kids who just thought you know they just had whack opinions because they were young, you know, and mm-hmm. just. So that's where we're at. Right I'm, I'm still, be don't get me wrong. I'm, not, I'm saying let kids have their whack opinions. That's fine. Like let them have their, you know, I just saw a fucking. It's like a, it's like a parody almost. I was looking for videos to watch while on my lunch break, and I usually watch um, Breakfast Club. And it was like somebody got dunked of the day, of the day called Little Zan. Y'all know? Oh, I've heard of that. Little Zan, yeah. Who the fuck is Lil like, I don't know. That's why I'm like, yeah, that's how I feel like I'm getting old. Yeah, and I don't really communicate to my little cousins about this. Because once I did have a conversation with my little cousin one time. Um, this was a while back. And he was like listening to 21 Savage. And he's like, this is before 21 Savage got big. And I'm like, what is a 21 Savage? And he's like, um, yeah, you know, you know about 21 Savage and Lil Uzi Vert? And I'm like, who? What, yeah, one of the medicine? kids told like, me that that was his favorite rapper, and I was like, oh, who, what? Yeah, and they were on it earlier, and, it, and I did have a little, ref, you know, reflection moment. I was like, okay, that's that's cool. And I'm like, no, I haven't. You know, I'll, I have to hear him sometime. But I won't be, you know, I'll listen to him when you play him, but I'm not going to go back and listen. This is your generation thing. I'm going to yeah. let you know what it is. Like. <laughs> so, I, I think just take a positive thing in there, whatever you can. Um, I mean, try to find a creative space where you can have real conversations about this stuff, like, I know with every black girl, that's, you know, so Vivian has that practice. She's the founder of every black girl. Mm-hmm. Um, Vivian will say, ask what happened to go back to that. Ask what happened instead of what's wrong. Um, that's one of the first things that she told me about when I interviewed with her to be a part of volunteering for this organization. So that's a space that we created for girls and boys are invited. It doesn't really matter. But if you have a gold man, it's very dope. They have... Um, they have workshops on most Saturdays on um, 2611 Grant Street, mm-hmm. almost every single Saturday. Um, and they also um, do a, a big conference that they're actually doing. I don't know what the date is, but maybe you can shout that out later on. Um, yeah. Screw you, Will. Screw you, Will. 
But um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I love what she says about that. And I, I feel like that is one example of a space that's created where you can talk to the kids about sex. Also, the center, you know, with the Rich Legacy Project Probably. program. Um, <laughs> it's a place where we've created where, you know, the kids can come and we can talk to them about sex candidly. Um, very candid and other things you know and so you school is really not the place you can't do it in the school really you just can't do it I mean maybe if you're a parent you can come in and you're a volunteer but if you're like employed by the district you can't do it so it's like if you don't have kids in your life where are you going to find these places go out and volunteer be active that's another way you can be the change and be the change stop complaining be the change do you can do anything and buy me a dream if you see me out and about you will see out there Every night, be the same, man. Definitely be a part. Don't, you can Most talk nights I'm at home watching Community on Hulu because I love it. It's such a funny show. Because you're five years late. <laughs> I know. I'm so late on everything. Like I don't like to jump on. Yeah, I didn't even recognize Charlotte's convenient on the show. I don't like to. Okay. I don't like to go. Oh, you on just recently saw it. I just watched like we watched a couple episodes like yeah. Okay. And I was oh, like, true. I, I'm just now seeing Atlanta too. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Yeah. I'm not a follower. Well, I think that does go back to the, um, you know, because you just seen it. <laughs> I saw it yesterday when it first came out. Well, you haven't watched and you watched previews. I believe you're. You're literally binge watching <laughs> Community right now <laughs> during specified times. Said, that are free. You just said, said you just said I'm usually home watching Community. That's not specified time. I would time. love to hear what you have to say because <laughs> what you say actually matters. <laughs> So, um, I think this goes back to uh, killing kids' curiosity because killing kids, like, <laughs> right? The mic just cuts out, <laughs> it's getting late in the podcast. I'm just saying crazy shit now. Sorry, but yeah, it's like you know, the, the reason that we have the kids can't go to their parents to explain these things when they come to them, mommy, what does twerking mean? Because they put a they, oh, you know, they, mommy, they know what twerking because they do it from first yeah. grade. I'm telling you, they oh, do yeah, it. but if like they can't. Uh, they don't. They don't feel comfortable going to their parents with these, or if they do, their parents kind of turn them away. You know, some <laughs> that too. <laughs> say, say, some parents do that too. Yeah. They're I don't still know what in that. Mean, baby, yeah. just keep doing it. Yeah. They, they can't. They don't have a space where they can get that explanation from a mature side. Like you know, like I know a lot, especially in the South. Uh, a lot of parents in the South don't really embrace their experiences and share them with their children. They just think my my job is to be authoritative to you and not relate to you and not to use my experience to help you and yours. I went through that too, baby. Here's how you can get through it. You know, and, and that's one of the most effective ways. We'll just walk out. Yes! Um, that is one of the most effective ways of connecting. I remember I took this whole course, very intensive course on um, black teenagers in, mm-hmm. in America, black female teenagers in America. And um, it just was a bunch of essays on from a bunch of different like doctors, um, researchers, and everything like that. And it said one of the best ways to effectively um, work with young girls is to give that type of narrative. Here is what I went through. Here is what you can learn from it, whether it be good or bad. It's the best way. It's so effective. So I just love that you said that. So much shit that I've like researched and read. It's like you're just saying it. That's why I'm like I really have a lot of respect for you know the things that you say and. Sorry, I'm just I'm so happy Will's gone. I just feel like a whole <laughs> <of> fresh air. <laughs> we'll be back shortly. Um, I think we're going to move on to the next topic. We are at like about a, less than an hour left. Um, I think if we wanted to talk about religion versus spirituality, 
Um, I know y'all are both very spiritual people. I recently, I used to be religious. I think, sorry, I can't relate, but uh, I think everybody, yeah, I think all three of us yeah. used to be religious. You no, know, I, um, I don't think I ever was. I think <laughs> I was raised in a religious home, and right. that never felt quite right to wasn't me. With right, right, right. I wasn't with it from like age eleven. I mean, my yeah. dad said, "When you got saved at age three, I was like, I was three. You tell me what to say." And saved at age three. Wanted, wanted me to believe that I was saved, but it doesn't mean that I didn't know and feel God. Okay, yes, that's that's what they don't understand. God. And then I start to verbally question it at the age of eleven. I think the yeah. age of eleven is the age of awakening for a lot of kids. Because do we think that? Because I don't know about y'all, but I see a surge of the black community moving towards spirituality over religion. Right. And the Especially world. after and this world. movie that kind of showcases it, you know, Black Panther has a lot of things. I think Ryan That's Coogler did that strategically I think to so show too. that that you know, hey, this is what we this is what we can be. This could be us that y'all playing. You it know, was dope because it wasn't like like and I don't know if y'all know this, but he, how he purposely put T'Challa's dad in like the, you know Africa, yeah, and um, Killmonger's dad was still stuck inside the apartment and all like that. Um, <laughs> it was very dope that he did that versus. T'Challa's dad being in heaven with a bunch of clouds and everything. <laughs> yeah. um, a bunch of gold plates. Heaven is Africa. That's what they say. It's, it's just... Mm-hmm. I believe it. And, you know, Killmonger's dad being in hell burning. Oh, son. Yeah. You gotta kill the king. Hell you know what I'm saying? So, like, it expressed it. Like it Oakland? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that kind of, that was kind of his hell. You know what I'm saying? They were living in poverty. You know what I'm saying? While everybody in Wakanda was out here partying and being lit. Mm-hmm. They were living in poverty. Poverty. <laughs> You too. Yes. I've said we can move on to the next topic because it's like that's an hour left. Okay. Um, are you still religious? Or? Yeah, I'm religious. Oh well, I believe in it. I don't practice it because we're <laughs> not practice? ready to make that change yet. I thought you uh, change to what human? Okay. No, listen to my voice. <laughs> <laughs> So you're saying you, you just believe in a religion, but you don't... No, I believe in God. I, I know what I should be doing. I'm just not. What do you feel you should be doing? Yeah, that's a good question. Like not having sex before marriage. Oh, please. That's too... Well, well, you should. You well, should. Well, 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 okay. Besides, besides the fact that the Bible says you're not supposed to. It's because you make bad choices as women. That's what? why you shouldn't be doing it. How did you get there? <laughs> How did you get there? Can you let me explain? Or do you just have to bark all the time? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay, okay. No, I actually I I actually believe um also that it kind of affects the way you view a person a lot. Having sex before marriage or having sex too soon? <clears throat> Whatever you want to call it. I, I think they're I think they're one and the same. I think they're one and the same. Well, the most having sex before having a connection on another level. I think for the most part, yeah. But that's not necessarily marriage. You're talking about before marriage, like piece of paper marriage? You think you still yeah, think that's that that's wrong? I mean, I believe everything should be done in God. Like, if it's, if you go down to a courthouse, I mean, I don't But to me, I feel like this. God is everywhere and in me. So when I make love, how could it not be under God or with God well, you're, in it? You're usually under a man. So... I, mean, I don't know about me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, uh, yes. Um, no, I mean, I'm just that's that's my belief. I think I think the reason the Bible has said it is because it really taints the way you view a person. That's my honest opinion. I like her immature. Okay, whatever. I mean, yeah, I just that's the way you see somebody because you know, in that space, 
I mean, obviously, there's a way to invite the divine in to whatever you do. But that's not but how most people do it. I don't know how most people do it. Well, I don't know how you most people do it because I haven't seen and been a peeping Tom and well, no, I'm just saying, like, spying on people. I don't know how most people do it. I'm just saying well, some people you know, may feel like God is not there because they have no awareness of the fact that God is in them and that God is everywhere and omnipresent, right? But there is a way to invite the divine in everything you do. And I think the first step is awareness, right? So with that receptivity, you can form a bond and you can actually enhance the way you see somebody after you make love with them. Just you can, but most you don't. don't. That. Well, I don't know what most people do. I don't want to say I, most I'm just because saying, I'm not going to continue I've seen to create the world that most people don't do that in. Okay. I believe we are... Um, we're in an age of awakening and I see, I love what you said, Mike, because it's like, I see that everywhere people are grasping for the tools that are going to help make their life better. And it's not always in the physical, you know, some of it is physical with like the crystals and, and, you know, tarot cards or whatever the case may be. But some of it is just like, I'm reaching for meditation. That's not something you could touch, but it's a tool I can use to enhance my life. So I don't want to say most people don't invite the divine in when they make love. I don't know what most people do, but... Mm -hmm. I'm saying that a lot of people do, and you can, and you don't need a piece of paper for that. You can do what you do under God. You can do anything under God. I think the transition really comes with, like, you know, it's a real cultural shock because I remember the first time when I first started questioning my beliefs. And I think that's another thing people don't do because they have an emotional attachment to it because it's all they know. Their grandparents do it. You know, even those songs that says, you know, I want, you know, if it's if it's good enough for my grandparents, it's good enough for me. But it's like, in certain aspects, you have to look at it. Like, for me personally, looking at my family, it's like, okay, can I really say that it's good enough for my family? Because I don't have any wealth. You know, look at, I, I've seen my, my grandmother, you know, go to her resting place unhappy. You know, her, her, she, her kids weren't taking care of her properly. There was no love in the house. You know, all the things that she did, her life was mostly sacrificed so she didn't even get to see a return on her investment. So it's like seeing that in my family and it's like, but you believe in this. If, if that's your, you know, outcome, then I can't follow that because I want a different outcome. And then it was just from my personal experience, you know, like personal experiences, <laughs> I'm, you know, it, I just saw things like, you know, self-hate being practiced there. And I already had the connection. Because I felt like to me, church was a middleman. You know, you you know, you go up there. There's a person who's in the pulpit telling me how I should live my life, but that person isn't even living how they should. I feel like the Somehow, church is a middleman. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I don't feel like the church is a middleman. I'm sorry. I feel like the preacher is a middleman. The preacher. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely what I feel like is a middleman. I believe there is value in the assembly of, you know, like-minded individuals. Yeah. You that's know what I mean. First good thing you've said. Shut up. Um. <laughs> But no, um, I. Terrence is so patient. <laughs> I believe like, yeah. I believe in religion a lot because of my family. You know, it's been I have an uncle that's a preacher, a couple uncles that's a preacher. My grandma believed in it so heavy, and you know, yeah, it goes on and on. Um, I've never really experienced self hate outside of not in my family experience, but homosexuality. That's. Oh, yeah. Self-hate and homosexuality, you know what I mean? You the church kind of... yourself because you're gay. Yet. I'm not gay. <laughs> I dick bitches down. Ew! <laughs> you see? Toxic masculine, see? See? how easy it is to blow out Right, like... <laughs> that one in the chamber. But no, um... <laughs> <laughs> that one came from my soul. That came 
but no, that is the that's like my biggest gripe with Christian. Well, I got a few of them, but um, that's that's like one of the bigger ones. And I feel like the church doesn't invite Christians in. Yeah, I well, I stutter, so I have to think. think it wasn't I'm, about you stuttering. I well, you well, you need to stop. <laughs> I was laughing. You're making me feel bad. I was, no, I was laughing about something completely different. I promise. I was laughing about what I'm gonna ask Mike about once you shut up. No, I really and you still really silent. Know. Okay, shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh my God. All right. So, anyways, <laughs> Mike, you can't play this nowhere. This is terrible. So, Mike, shut the fuck up. You too. Whoa, <laughs> fam. Whoa, fam. I, I apologize. I apologize to you. I'm not gonna apologize. Anyways, <laughs> um, I feel like the church doesn't invite homosexuals the way they should, or just different people in general. Um, I feel like me personally. I feel like homosexuality is a sin. It's not popular. Oh, but no, listen, no, listen, no, listen, no, listen. I feel like it is a sin just like all the other sins people do. You know what I mean? I don't think it's a damnation. You know what I mean? So I, I, I'm kind of curious how y'all feel about that. That's a that's kind of a hot topic because, you know, I mean, I feel like, you know, one thing that, you know, I feel like there's a lot of great teachings that I've learned, you know, having a Christian foundation because I really only drew to things that I could use in my personal life. And, and I felt like there were so many people at my particular church that focused more of their attention outside of themselves, which is why they participated in gossiping about people, judging people. And it's like, what are you doing? Look at your life because ain't your son in jail? <laughs> you know, it's like you, you can't, you know, and there's a popular saying that they used to say in my church, you know, sweep around your own front door before you try to sweep by mine because you come for me, I'm going to tell you something personal and it's going to hurt mm. you because you haven't dealt with it. And you can't say nothing that hurts me because I'm dealt with it. All we're doing is just you know? activating people's triggers and we're not getting to the healing because exactly. no it becomes, that we it becomes about a earlier. fight. And the thing is, it's like, you know, once for me, I feel like church was at one point a time where we came together to heal talk and really really come to a spiritual place we were united by a belief system but it made us better and mm -hmm. the thing is I, I feel like you know the bible should be used as like uh, a teaching mechanism like mm -hmm. there's people focus more on the story than the morals of the story mm -hmm. i feel like you should take the morals Agreed. of the story and apply it to your life and have it be a personal thing but the thing is when you when you start believing that there's a lot of christians who because the image is there they put their energy into the image and feel like they're not attached. They're not a part of God or God is not a part yes. of them. They, they detach themselves from God because there's an image saying that this is God. And God is not an energy that lives in you. You know, God can't be in you. God can't be in other people because here's an image, you mm -hmm. know, and people that's literally the Bible says something against that. That's idol. You, you created an idol in the religion. Mm -hmm. So it's like there's a lot of contradictions. And I wish if we could heal that. In, in the church, I have no problem with the religion. I have, I'm working with Christian companies and Christian people because I understand what type of Christian they are. They're positive Christians. They are people who have, you know, took, taken the lessons and things that they've learned. I started there, you know, and I, there's a lot of lessons that I took. I kept the positive with me and I left the negative behind. And for me, I wanted that personal. One thing I've heard from one of my Christian friends, he said it's about a personal relationship with God. And I took that all the way. And it's like, okay, I have a relationship with what the pastor's telling me God is. Or no. even even yeah. what the Bible's telling me. Because you have to remember, it's a book that was written by men. Mm -hmm. I want to have that personal relationship to where I don't need anybody to talk to God myself. Mm -hmm. You can't tell me because I already know I have that conversation. And to me, I really had to 
take the image off because it's like I, I me personally I feel like who are we to give job God a gender assignment like God is something that we can't understand because we are just human Mm-hmm. You know, Dave got a gender assignment surgery. Yeah, it's like in anything for me, if I was gonna put a gender on God, it would be a woman. You know, versus a man, man because yeah. women give birth. God, you know, and in, in, in the Bible it says, "Let us, let us." So there was a group of gods. Let us create them in our image. And to me, you know, some people say that was the Anunnaki, actually. <laughs> Yeah, I hear that too. It's like, to me, I don't care what you call them. I, when I think about things critically, it's like, let us make them in our image. Hmm. Men have nipples, but we don't produce milk. Women have nipples and produce milk. You know, we, like you said, we started off as women and yeah. turned to men. That's let us produce them in our image. Like, that, that's just things that I think about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's beyond that. We get into a, We get into a screaming match because we're set currently. You know, religion is is not different than, to me, a lot of people treat it. There's a lot of positive people who use it as a tool to better themselves and better others. If you're giving this as an option to someone who really needs it, who's lost in life, and it helps better them, you're doing a good deed. But if you're, you know, just throwing your, you know, beliefs on them, and I think, you know, conscious people, quote unquote, do the same thing. Oh, yeah. It's just another iteration of the same uh, clicky type of group think type of thing. That's why I don't really want to associate myself with Set that. I, I, I used to for a while, but mm-hmm. then I went to another level and I was like, well, I mean, and I'm not saying they're down there. I'm just saying, I don't you believe went to a that. Different lane. went to a different lane, right? Yeah. I want to say something about my, we had a conversation about religion and spirituality, right? And I said, um, why don't a lot of men go to church? And you'll see church is just full of women. Christian mm-hmm. church is just full of women. Mm-hmm. And you said, do you remember what she said? Because okay, <laughs> it was so awesome. I actually, told Condi about it. She was like, "Oh, I like that." Yeah. Um, you said um, it does feel like, as a man, the pastor has to be the loudest voice, and your voice can't be louder oh, than his yeah. or bigger than his. So yeah. men are like, "Man, fuck that!" Like, you know, what yeah. I'm saying I'm not really about to subject myself to someone's leadership if I don't fully agree. And since yeah. there is so much, you know, for lack of a better word, toxicity in the yeah. leadership of a lot of churches, then, you know, that's how a lot of men feel, so they won't go. So you have some marriages where it's like, you know, I, I would like to be spiritually on the same page as my partner. It's like, mm-hmm. we're going to start a church together. We're going to start some kind of Kava circle, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And, or we're going to, you know, I don't know what we're going to do, but it's like, I, I don't want to do it separate from you. I mean, you know, some, some couples where, like, the woman is a faithful member of the church for 30 years, and right. um, the husband won't step foot there because he's like, nah, it's like, what, what can she do? And I feel like, you know, that that plays in, you know, when you think about the image of Jesus, it's a male figure and, and that that what brings a lot of women there over men, because I had a moment in church. I was in uh, one of my my mom's one of my godmother's church for an event and the guy on the piano was singing. I'm in love with you. So I'm sitting there as he's singing the song. I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, I don't feel comfortable. singing this song. Like, I don't because if you're talking about Jesus, the white man on the back, I, 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 I don't know that. You know, like I'm not in love with him. So it's like that's when I was thinking about. I was like, okay, it makes more sense why you see more women in church because there's that there's that attraction level almost, you know. But it's like that could be a father figure, that could be a, a husband, you know. Oh, God sending me my husband, you know. Father figure and husband part. Right. I've seen I, I do, a yeah. lot of women, um, just 
Yeah, it's like an involvement. Yeah, the concept of a man, that, a male deity, like who is perfect be, and who can never hurt right. them. Yeah. You know, like who helps them when all their problems arise. But you know, how do the problems begin in the first place? It's dependability. Yeah. Upon um, something outside of yourself. That's why right. it's like I have to connect to God and feel like not only there is a, a higher creator, there is an ultimate source, but I'm not detached from that source. I can right. pull from that power from my own personal yes. life. And that's why I came here. I came here to do that and mm-hmm. to feel what it feels like to go through a contrasting experience, which Abraham Hicks talks about all the time. I love that teacher. Go through a contrasting experience, refine what I want out of life, and then get on the vibration of whatever it is that I want, and then allow that to come to me and unfold naturally. Right. You know. Um, to answer Will's question from earlier, I think um, you know, you know, like I said, I'm not religious, so I don't. I'm, I guess I don't really believe in sin anymore. I think. I'm right there I with you. I was gonna say it, bro. I, I like, forgot. But I like, like you know, writing about sinful actions and stuff. You know, what I'm saying <laughs> lustful actions because it's awesome. But like, so I guess because of that, I don't really. I never believed that, you know, homosexuality was a sin. I always thought that was just strange to just condemn somebody for loving who they want to love. Even as a kid, when I wasn't there all the time, that just didn't seem right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's when I started leaving Christianity because a lot of stuff, a lot of teachings just didn't seem like right or natural. Like, when I started hearing people condemn, like, stuff like masturbation, for example. <laughs> oh, or yeah. Preachers well, going to paint on masturbation. When I was like, little, it was like, you know, because we understand that certain body parts feel good to touch, even yeah. from a really early age. And I literally thought I was going to hell by third grade. I was like, well, when I, I realized, like, the pastor was saying, like, don't touch yourself, but also don't have sex until you're married. I don't was just like, suffer. How old are you? Married. And the preacher kids is like, what, 15, 16 years younger than you? Did you follow what you're pre- And that's the thing. It's like, what is the protocol for choosing these leaders? Because I've seen a lot. I've seen... You know, I've had guest pastors. I've seen some wild shit in my church. Mm-hmm. I've had guest pastors come and literally curse in the church. You know, they they call yes. the congregation. the congregation jackasses, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, don't insult me. Well, no, yeah. they don't, don't insult your members. Exactly. But if you want to curse, you have an audience full of will. Yeah, but that's that's what I'm thinking. Because to me, it was like for me, I, I've depended on this thing to be something sacred. And right. if, if that is allowed to go on here, yeah, what else is going on behind closed Exactly. Doors? How sacred is it? To That's me, true. so to me, you know, that in order to have that, to increase that connection on a natural level, it, I had to make it sacred for myself. So I was like, the only thing you can, can control is yourself. So I, if I make myself sacred, then I can live in that space all the time. I can walk in church all the time because the body is a temple. Can I make one point real quick? That's a very dope point you just made. Bro, I think it was me and you was talking about this shit. Remember the pastor that got caught on thirsting on Instagram? <laughs> oh, that shit was so funny, bro. It was a Which, pastor. Who, who was that? I forgot his name. But he must ain't know how Instagram works. Pastor work. Mike. It might have been. It might be me in a couple of years. Um, he was obviously, obviously older, so he probably didn't know how Instagram worked. There's a lot of older people that think that, you know, when you post somebody's Facebook wall on their on a picture that it's private. No, fam. So he saw some woman. Apparently, she was just extra bad. She was bad. She, was, yeah. she looked good. Um, but he was like, yo, I gotta let her know how I feel. Uh, he said he's gonna eat a butt, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that one, wait, was this, I think I about. saw this. Was this on like Shade Room or something? Like, it was on, it was on it everything. Was. I, 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 did was on everything. I did see it. This was a couple oh, years man. ago. And he was like, y'all eat that ass if you just give me one chance. Like, he was just, <gasps> really? Oh, yes. What would so Jesus wonderful. do, sir? <laughs> right. That's so wonderful. Like, I, mean, I love the fact that he. 
hey, at least he's still intentional. I do it in the name of Jesus. I know who I talked about it. I think me and Will talked about it, but I talked about it with Dom before he left. I think it's before you got oh, to the center. Oh, yeah. And me and Don was getting into it. You know me and Don with our debates. We be getting into it. Um, shout out to Don Mayer, man. We miss you. Um, we was going back and forth. She was like, man, if I'm going to your church, you better not be on nobody's Instagram. Somebody eating butt ass. How am I supposed to follow you from now on? Da, da, da. I was like, bro, if, you, if your pastor on it, honestly is free about eating ass, no, but that's the thing, he's not free about it. And that's yeah. why I feel like he decided well, that he couldn't go because it's like, you're a no, liar, no, no. you're inauthentic. He, no, no, Dom said he can't go because he ain't <laughs> want no pastor out here eating ass. Oh, well, he should be talking to the congregation. Yeah. Like, I found that people are so used <laughs> to the practice of something. Yeah. And he said um, he was against the fact that he actually went out of his way to message her and let her know he wanted to eat ass. I was like, the, the only thing I didn't like. About <laughs> it. He's so stupid, bro. I said the only <laughs> thing I didn't like about the whole situation is that the fact that he tried to act like his his, his page got hacked and somebody did the shit on <laughs> Just own it. Just own it. <laughs> so I think really, really. Like, I just wonder, like, and see, can we forgive people like that? Like, so no. if we the, say we want a different world. Then are we going to then say, hey, you know what? I actually do feel about eating ass too. Wow, I have a pastor who's in touch with his sexuality. I was about so to now say, can we talk about sex and bust the church wide open and yeah. talk about this? Can we talk shit? about exactly and, and really open up the, the, the conversation to it because I think when you look at somebody, they always say one thing they say, you know, nobody's perfect but Jesus, but you have a you have a figure that's trying to be perfect. If we if we can Look, live in that space like okay if this is the only entity that's perfect then why are we trying to be we'll never you know attain that Let, let's just be ourselves and be open and, and help each other have better life experiences and better orgasms yeah there, there's, a, there's a book there's a fictional book it's a part of a series called Speaker for the Dead um, they actually had a movie to come out for the first book and I wish that they made more of it but it didn't make enough money but um, Speaker for the Dead is like a guy who comes and he does a funeral. He would travel galaxies and do funerals. But he spoke for them in a way. It's not just the good things. You, you saw, you know, their affairs. He spoke everything. He spoke the truth. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, wow, what, if, what would funerals be like if we did that now? Like, what would I would want that done in my funeral. Don't glorify me. If I have faults, let that be known too. Well, I think that's good. Be glorified. Yeah, exactly. That's a way to go about just, doing it, though. I think yeah. I don't think you want to just be out there just exposing the person. Like, I mean, yeah, for of instance, course. at my um, my grandmother's funeral, this lady got up and she just started. She was like, "I'm gonna air out all the family business," and it's like we can talk about that later. But mm-hmm. you know, we have my grandma's funeral. You, can, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I think you, as it is, it's a way to do it. Like Crocker's funeral, like. We was talking shit about Crocker because that's my that was my best friend, and um. Oh, I was like, Who's that? Is that his? I was no, my friend, <laughs> but I don't talk bad about. Bro, it was so funny. Like when Crocker, Crocker's my best friend. He was a rapper at his Spartanburg. He's a very dope individual, but he used to clown Will all the time. And Will always used to say like, "Man, his music ain't good." Like that's all it is. Because I didn't like his music. <laughs> <laughs> it had nothing to do with him. Mind you, he had like some countless shows and shit. He had a huge following. He had his own record label and shit. Like he was out here, Will was just like, and so Crocker would just like rag on Will all the time. It was just funny, but um, at his funeral, like they just played this like crazy ass music and stuff. We used to, the pastor was um, what they say? It's the funniest thing in the world. He said um, um, the only thing his family couldn't give him was the opportunity to be to be black because that's what he wanted more than anything. <laughs> like it was just like it was well, just like was a white real, though. yeah, he was white. He was white as fuck, and um, 
but he just knew every rap song he could think of. He never tried to act black, quote unquote, but he just knew every rap song he could think of because he loved music in general. He had so much music, and um, it was just like it was just a real talk about Crocker. So we were really making fun of him, but we were re- really loving him at the same time. So it was like a way to do it. You yeah. know, just you know. Let me tell you about this motherfucker here. Oh, yeah. I mean, of course, the energy you do it with is important. Like That's yeah. why I love the uh, idea of the Comedy Central roast. Because it's like yeah. you're showing love to this person. You're ragging on them. You're laughing about them. But at the same the time. They, they be going in. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like for what it's supposed to be with the good people who come on. It's like, yeah, this person meant, means something. There's a reason we're roasting you. Yeah, you, you know, you ain't shit. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, just, yeah. just jokes in the spirit of love. The spirit behind the it is spirit important. spirit of love. Yeah, but it's like, don't be so sensitive. Like, you know you got some things fucked up about you that I'm going to call you on because I'm your friend, you know. Prime example, these two. Right. That's, that's, that's love. Oh. oh, yeah, I already acknowledged <laughs> that. Love punches. Yeah, I already acknowledge yeah. that Will adores yeah. me. Well, do you adore me? <laughs> it's not <funny>. she'll express. <laughs> For once, she's mute. (laughs) (laughs) While not moaning. Uh, All right. So, I really dislike you. Um, (laughs) So, let's go ahead and get to these other topics. We'll run out of time. Wait, other topics? Yes. Play 13. And we're going to knock this shit out in 15 minutes. minutes. Oh, y'all have to play the game? If you stop talking, we'll be done. Sorry. I'm just thinking about, like, mm What? When are you not? Um. <laughs> so recently, recently, um, <laughs> Jordan, recently Jordan Peele won an Oscar for best. What was the screenplay? screenplay yeah. yeah, screenplay. Um, does Jordan Peele's Oscar win mean Hollywood is more cognizant of how deep racism works? And did he explain? Do you know the concept? I do. I do know the concept of the movie, okay. which is why I didn't watch it because I was like, oh well, I didn't do that shit. So it's still a dope um, movie. Yeah. It's, it's still a very good movie. It, yeah. um, I guess, but. Um, yeah, I would say yeah, because I do think the world is uh, shifting towards, like, I wish I wanted to post this on Facebook, like, oh, I just can't wait for a post-racial society, like, I just can't wait, it's time. Mm-hmm. We're ushering it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we gotta just go through this, you know, we had to have our first black president, and now we got the polar opposite again, you know, with Trump, so, Daddy Trump! <laughs> Someone said something that was really like impactful. The was reason like, why I say it is because, yeah. sorry to cut you off. Um, the reason why I say it is because um, it's a woman wrote a beautiful article about healing your relationship with the masculine. And one way to do that is by praying for Trump. She was like, look, the universe has set this up so that we can expose all the shit that's wrong with this country. Trump is a um, representation of that. He's a crystallized representation of what the fuck is wrong. One of the major things that's wrong. So you know what? Why not just pray for the motherfucker instead of continuing to complain about him? Pray for your leaders because she said, you know, right now he's really in a place where he can receive a lot of this positive energy, even though it may not look like it. So that's for the light workers, though. You know what I'm saying? So if you ain't about that life, you ain't about that life. This shit is not for the faint of heart all the time. So I have no problem with it because I don't really pay attention to him. So I don't, like, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he has said lately. Um, I used to love the show Apprentice, and that's the image I'm trying to keep. We in all my did. Head. We all so did. So, but I don't follow what he says. So, at the end of the day, um, he does represent like his 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 stubbornness, his ignorance, his you know thinking that he's the shit when you know he really is very ignorant about the situation or whatever the case may be. Um, is a representation of a lot of what's wrong with toxic masculinity. So again, it's about 
trying to see it as healed. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I said Daddy Trump. So I, cause I don't feel no type of way about it. But I think we're ushering in a post-racial society. It may not happen while I'm alive in this body. But probably at this point, I will be back in another body you know, after I die. So Based off of what? Based off of truth. So with that said, um, I'll be back and I'll see a post-racial society when uh, global warming has done its job and melted the glaciers Double and provided fresh water sources and the world has become a tropical climate. Yeah, it's a cleansing. <laughs> it's a cleansing. It's like Mother Nature yeah, having a period. You know what I'm saying? So, fever. 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 <laughs> I mean, it might be, you might be right about the post-racial society. It might not be in this lifetime. You know what I'm saying? Um, I see like blackness on a, at an all-time high, like going increasingly up, um, both from representation to us being proud of who we are, to actual black wealth actually increasing for the first time in centuries. You know what I'm saying? Like, I see it that happen. So I think that the Oscar win does have to do with that. I think that you don't remember the '60s and '70s when they showed it. Yeah. It happened in the '60s and '70s too. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying I think it's it's coming back. Like, but that was like, not centuries ago, was it? I'm, I read somewhere that black black wealth was like either on a decline or like steady for like not centuries. I'm sorry, I meant decades. Well, okay. No, I just was wondering. I was just wondering if you didn't count I that for whatever reason. Time stamps. Yeah, yeah the there's no time in there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I think it is recognized. I think um, I don't think anybody at the Oscar did what it was, was it the Oscar committee or whatever just watched the movie and was like, oh, that was a good horror movie. Like, let's give them an Oscar. Like, I think they actually saw what the message was and they appreciated it and they appreciated the way the story was told. I think that's what everybody loves about it. It wasn't like white people can't be evil against us and like, you know what I'm saying? It was just a super unique way to say something that we've been saying for so long. And and then it's any way to say it too. Like, I think so. I think it's, I think the, the black voice being heard louder louder than it has been heard in a very long time is apparent in this Oscar win. And I love it, man. Mm-hmm. Black Panther, this. Um, yeah. Was it The Wrinkle in Time directed by it? Um, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Yeah. Is it out? Yeah, it's out. Really? Oh, no. Yeah. I don't want to lie. I don't want to lie. It comes tomorrow. out tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Movies are coming out on Friday. I thought movies came out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. That's out. It changed the Fridays a while back. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Like Fridays with music and movies now. We should go see it. I'd love to see it. Yeah, I think that that's a, because you know black people. We're seeing black people in different fields now. Before right. you know our, our expectations of what we can do is being broadened. It's not just sports and entertainment. It's like we behind it. You know, you know the person who's over the Oscar committee is a black woman. Why not? Yeah, they, she came out last year doing the Oscar so white thing. And it's like it's like when these things happen, when we call racism out and we stand up and we say something, we speak on it and we make movements off of it, like we do something that is successful that showcases this is racism, they have to change it because they get so nervous. It's like, okay, we don't want to piss off the world because we know the influence that black people have. So we got to make the black people happy, even if it's just one thing. But you give us a crack, we're going to bust that door wide open. Right. And I think that is a wonderful example of um, a movement done right and that was effective. And Mm -hmm. I was going to say, you know, even though it may not be motivated, like the people who are actually making the changes and stepping aside and saying, okay, we're going to let you in, it's not necessarily motivated by the right motives, like, oh, we're just nervous. So, you know, it's not because we actually fucking love you, but but it doesn't really fucking matter. If you care about the Oscars, Mm -hmm. then 
I guess it matters. But and and I will say something about representation. When I was at one of the schools and they had their Black History Month thing, um, these ki- I love to see the kids of different ethnicities and nationalities mm-hmm. talk about. You know, I am Barack Obama. I am this prominent Black person or that prominent Black person who did. Um, you know, so and so great thing because it's like they had to verbally affirm the greatness of someone who identifies as black, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say too, this is a premonition I, I've had and I think that it's out there, which is why I picked up on it. I think by twenty twenty we're gonna have to choose an identity. I feel like there's gonna be this big census thing and it's like, look, all right, this black white shit it's over. Like, it doesn't mean anything. You know what I'm saying? We choose a nation. And so... Why do you think it'll happen that quickly? Oh, because it's been in the process of happening for so many years. I mean, more and more you see, if you're looking for it and and if you're aware of it, you know, a lot of people who currently identify as black waking up to the fact that they and their ancestors are indigenous to this land and they do identify with a nation, a native nation, Mm -hmm. um, and a nation or tribe. And so you have little factions of people doing it, but maybe. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that was Will's phone. No, this is mine. All right, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that we're gonna have to choose, and I think it'll be great because we can stop calling ourselves black and white, and that will be a step towards the post-racial society, which I do see it coming. Because yeah. I, I'm like, I'm like, I, at the end of the day, I've got to look. I got to go back to how I was as a kid. I looked at the spirit of the person, you know what I mean? I really felt the spirit of the person. And then my sister began to teach me, you know, she had read Malcolm X and she was like, when the race war breaks out, these white people ain't gonna be there for you. You start getting some black friends and you start doing this and that. And she was a part of my awakening because I had to go through that too. But the point is, I'm back to where I feel I started with the innocence of a child looking at the spirit of a person and just connecting where I connect and not worrying about, you know, oh, do you know how about so blah, 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 the microaggression. And it's just like, well, at the end of the day, like, I, I feel privileged. I feel privileged. Yeah. You know, I'm juicy. And I love myself, so. Oh, yeah. I think the best thing that the government can do for us, like, everybody's still talking about reparations. Like, the last thing you need to give us, I mean, you don't, <laughs> don't give us wealth without the knowledge of what to do with right. it. Right. So the best thing that they can do for us, if they're going to give us anything, just pay for our AfricanAncestry.com uh, packages <laughs> so that we all can know where we come from and, and start that process because you don't get it. You don't go anywhere without knowing what you come from. But the thing is also pay for of and course, fund pay, yeah, the uh, research and everything like that that goes into knowing if your ancestors came from right here because while if, if, if humanity started in Africa, and the reason why I'm saying if is because saying that the oldest bones were found there is like, well, what if there are older bones somewhere else? You know, it's like, um, what if there are bones that are of the same, you know, age in all kinds of different continents? You know what I mean? How could humanity have really come from one motherfucking woman? So, I mean, how I don't I don't know if I believe that. So no one can really tell me where humans came from. The point is we're here. So I think that we have different lands that we originated from. Or even if everyone did come from Africa, some motherfuckers was in certain places so fucking long, they claim that land. Yeah. So don't just skip over the generations that actually were here that identify as black now too. So it's not just about AfricanAncestry.com. It's about IndigenousAncestry.com, AmericanAncestry.com, or whatever we called this land at that time too. Mm-hmm. So, um, but of course they don't want to fund that because they don't want us to wake up to the knowledge that we 
have rights to this land. So that's just yeah. another aspect that once I found out, I was like, you can't unknow something once you know it. So it's like, yeah. when, I have to add that in there. Oh yeah, when you're, you know, when your uh, entire existence and privilege is based off of the backs of a whole nother group of people, of course, you know, giving them the truth is going to harm you. So mm-hmm. they don't want to do that. Right. You know, but... Just to go get it for yourself. And the ultimate yeah. truth, you don't need... Um, I mean, you can go about these ways. You can... I mean, basically, the ultimate truth can be found... Okay, so here's what I've always used to say about God. And hey, sorry, I'm we're running out of time. I know, right? So here's what I always so used to say time. about God. <laughs> I want to know the God that existed before the Bible was written or before the first ancient text was ever written. Uh, and the Bible was not the first one um, as far as, like, sacred text. So it's like... I don't necessarily need, I mean, these tools are great. <laughs> Shut up, Will. These tools are great, you know. Um, all of these ways that we can research where we come from is great. But at the end of the day, you know you came from an all-powerful, all-loving creator. So get in touch with that first, and then you'll be led to everything you need to know on this life and on this earth because you'll be in touch with your soul, and your soul already has a path that's set out for you. I mean, of course, you could change your mind okay, we're good. way, but... <laughs> It has a path that already set out for you. <laughs> right. So that's why you're going to cut it off when you edit it, right? Yeah. Next year. <laughs> Anyways, um, last topic we want to get to is, so during the casting process of Black Panther, uh, Amanda Stenberg was up for the role. I don't know if they exactly said the role, but it was for the role of Shuri. Shuri, yeah. Shuri uh, his cousin. His sister, I'm sorry. Ooh, golly. Um, his sister. Which was the role that uh, the Guyanese girl who actually played her. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, oh, I can't remember. Right. Right. Letitia something. Letitia something. Yeah. Anyways, um, Amanda Stenberg came out with some comments recently. She was asked uh, something about Black Panther. And uh, anyway, she, she said that she turned the role down. And her reasoning was because she thought that her taking the role would be taking away roles from darker-skinned women. And she didn't exactly uh, phrase it like that, but um, that's kind of what people took from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just kind of curious how y'all felt about it, because it's kind of, you know, a hot topic right now. Yeah, I was, yeah, well, I would, oh, well, you want to go first? I'll go first. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to figure out if they actually... So did they actually ask her, like, were you, did you get turned off the role? And she was like, well, actually... Because I think that will make a difference. Because mm-hmm. my main thing, I, first of all, I didn't really think it was that. She said she bowed out of the the running for it. Oh. What was strange about the way she described it is she was going, she was still going for the role. She didn't get the role sealed. Do you want me to read it real quick? Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So um, I'll read an article real quick. Hunger Games star Amanda Stenberg has revealed how she took herself out of the running for a major role in Marvel's Black Panther uh, because she didn't want to take a part that could have gone to a black actor with darker skin. Quote, one of the most challenging things for me to do was to walk away from Black Panther. I got really, really close, and they were like, do you want to continue to fight for this? And I was like, this isn't right. The conscientious 19-year-old discussed the process in an interview with CBS Arts, um, saying, there are all these dark-skinned actors playing Africans, and I feel like it would have just been off to see me as a biracial American with a Nigerian accent, just pretending that I'm the same color as everyone else in the movie. That was really challenging to make that decision, but I have no regrets. I recognize 100% that there are as- that there are spaces that I should not take up, and when I do take up a space, it's because I've really thought really critically about it. 
I've consulted people that I really feel and trust is right. Um, so, it sounds like it was for a just cause. It's just strange that she would even mention it, I guess. I guess if they, <laughs> I mean, if you're asked, though. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. If they asked her straight up, like, did hey, you turn down the role? Like, I was, you know, of course, other people. But if she was just going out of her way, like, people were making it sound like she was going out of her way to be like, hey, by the way, I was going to be a black I'm asking for this, y'all. Right. I'm asking for this role. Which is not a bad point, because she is very light. And I don't even think it was so much admirable. I thought it just kind of made sense. Like, that's kind of what I was I mean, at. Like, she's hella light-skinned. It makes sense what she's yeah. saying, but at the same time. So it comes off high you, and mighty? No, no, not at all, actually. Oh, it comes okay. off as, um, well, I mean, just say it with a better actor, because you're making it, it's almost kind of making it seem like, yeah, I, I was good for it, I'm a great actor, but at the end of the day, um, give it to somebody darker, when that really wasn't the point, was it? Was it, it was, I think it was her point, because it just, but she the point of a in the movie. Well, see, and that's another thing about Africa. Not everybody in Africa is, is dark skin, right? No, I mean, not everybody, but just so, in that particular. Well, I mean, I mean, look at the family though. Say yeah. is that there are Africans who look like just the wide variety of shades, hair textures, eye shapes, eye colors, and everything like that that we have in America. As far as black people, is the same in Africa. So I don't know how actual Africans would feel about her saying that, as if. Well, you're saying it's unrealistic that I don't she think could... she's saying that. I think what she's I mean, saying she's... is she's like a lot lighter than the rest of the cast that was her family in the movie. Yeah. It wouldn't have made sense. Yeah, it would have been strange. Have and you ever seen it? Exactly and it's, 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 it's not just her family, but the the whole everybody at the in Wakanda. Yeah, there would have been nobody as light as she was. I mean, it, 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 it is based off the comic books, which have those illustrations. Of, okay, so and I knew there was other elements yeah. that I wasn't quite aware of because it's like you know I saw a lot of the movie and. Um, I did. I saw a lot of it. And I, I mean, I understand, like, for representation purposes, yeah. I understand what they were trying to do. For her to say it is a little weird because it just fair. comes off as like, it might have been oh, a little too light for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then uh, very self aggrandizing. Yeah. Like, yeah. and then, but at the same time, she, you say she's 19. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. Yeah, at 19, yeah. you're going to definitely. And that's what I'm saying. People were just thing going hard. Like, people was like on Twitter, which you know how Twitter is. He was going hard on her, like, that bitch had to say that, da, da, da. Like, you yeah, know, it was about a people kid, right? the comments. She's yeah. not a kid. By the time I was 19, I, mean, I was fucking, I was living on my own, I was paying my own bills. When I say kid, kid, when I say kid, I mean, she's hella young. Like, she's prone to do stuff like this. Like, there's no reason to call her, like, a bitch and slut and all this shit just because she did something that's, you know, Wait. self-congratulatory. That's what I I'm saying. I don't know, but, I mean, at the same time, when are you going to stop saying someone's a kid? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. at 19. I just figured it. Like, if, she's so, if somebody's... Visibly very young. She just was 18 yesterday. Like, I'm not going... Really? Her birthday no, yesterday? No, I'm just figuring feet. <laughs> like, I'm not going to insult her. For just yeah, I mean, but that's social media's birthday as well, too. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. So. Yeah, and but, I mean, I would bring the question to, uh, if we know what we know, like, okay, based off of the comic books, based off of... Why was she considered for that role? I mean, I'm pretty sure that there's other that's roles that's a casting director's fault. Exactly, there's that's other roles that she could have filled if she wanted to be a part of the movie. Even a girlfriend but or something. Like, like when you're looking at the casting director, you have to question the casting director. Okay, if we're basing this off of the comic book and off of already, you know, illustrations, then why was she in the running? Because she, you know, there's other roles she could have. Yeah. Well, what's Hold on, what's Amanda St- it was a Sternberg Amanda and Stenberg. Zendaya because I feel like they're the same person Zendaya <laughs> and they're no. basically no like Zendaya is like Disney 
She yeah. started on well, um, Why wouldn't you want to be the girlfriend? Well, Killmonger's girlfriend. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, I didn't know you said Killmonger. Yeah, that would have been the only thing. I thought you were talking about Black Panther's girlfriend. Or Lupita Gunn. I was like, nah, don't take Lupita out. Dying? I see. She's bird. Hey, you put it down there, bro. I didn't put nothing down there. What's her name, Will? Amandla. Amandla. Yeah. She's different. Okay, she looks like. Oh. Some yeah. people were saying that she, she recognized her There's... privilege, <sighs> which I think is what her she point was. So black, I don't think mean, so. Look at her. She's freaking black. That's not. That's not what she looks like right yeah. now. That's she looks nothing she like. She could have looked like anything. She could have went to Africa, got a tan. She got kinky ass hair. I mean, like at the end of the day, like she's. I, I, to me, I don't know. I guess because I never read the comic books or whatever, yeah. it wouldn't have made such a big deal. She doesn't look like. White or anything. I, I actually, I think she's pretty cool. I think I like her energy. Yeah, I think. She's well, I mean, there's no. I'm sure there's nothing. Yeah, but you know, it, it, sometimes like because when you look at the contrast of just that, where you put a, a lighter woman in a role, think about the Nina Simone movie with. You know, oh, oh, that's come on, that was just totally crazy. exactly. That's like, like a, a black princess. Like, hey, come yeah. here, so yeah. let me just have this. people that, that can fit terrible. that role better. <laughs> it's like that was ridiculous. Yeah, it was very strange. And and I read um, a very long comment on YouTube when someone was talking about that, and, and they mm-hmm. said that it was actually contractual, like she had no choice because she was in a contract where she had to do like um, it was kind of like one of those archaic contracts uh, with um, studios or who we discussed movie houses. The girl oh, who did, movie. yeah. So she mm-hmm. had to do. She basically like it would have been very. So it's okay non-contractual for her to not do that Nina Simone film. Yeah. So that's Terrible. why she defended it in the way that she did because she didn't, but she probably had a clause in it where she couldn't say like, oh, I have to do this. So maybe this girl wasn't um, a part of any contract like that and decided not to do it. I mean, it was the sister. It wasn't like the main role in the film. You know? Listen, well, I mean, the girl that played her, she, she definitely made her presence known throughout the film. Right, you right. I mean? But any good yeah. actor would, and so I feel like let it just be a choice of. I mean, it's a choice of casting, and that's the you know casting director. But me as a viewer, um, I don't think I would have minded. She has that young kind of energy, just a young like ingenue uh, scientist uh, genius. So whatever. I mean, seeing a light skinned African is not going to do. You know what I mean? I just feel like that's what she was like. Said, you know, we just can't handle seeing a light skinned African. I think. I think dark skinned actors. Just like I really think if she was happens, placed in the movie, it would have been hard to believe. It, it really it would have thrown the movie off. She she is. No, it would it would have been the scapegoat that did it. That's yeah. for basic. That's what I'm saying. I'm it's just like, I'm being honest. We talk about the masses and then movie marketing. I'm pretty sure they had to bring all just of that for me personally. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah, but yeah, I can understand how that. But you would have been good. But then I would have been good. I think. <laughs> or maybe you know. I There's don't an existence know. of people that would have been like, So we're gonna do Will's first of the week. I don't know if I told y'all, but we do the thirst of the week to close out the show. First of all, we thank y'all. Just to lighten the mood. Um, y'all want to shout out your stuff real yeah, quick. Yeah, we want to thank y'all for joining us. Um, it was a great pleasure having you on here. Thank you. Um, Terrence, Dern, Shots, <laughs> video production company. Um, we want to thank Mike for <laughs> coming here. Doing Small the show. show. With yep. <laughs> we um, we want to thank Star for letting us wipe our feet off on her back as we walk in. <laughs> so yeah. Um, she also does. She also reads uh, play, playing cards and things of that nature. Well, playing cards are actually derived from tarot. Shut up. 
<laughs> no, actually, we want to thank. No, we want to thank Star. She had a lot of great input today. Um, please check both of them out. Um, she's definitely book her for tarot card reading. Book him for any video production you may need. And please, both of y'all, shout y'all stuff out. Of course, ladies first. Okay. Um. So yeah, I'm a tarot. No card ladies reader. in the room. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> See, we'll do that shit. I'm a tarot card reader. Um, and I'm a spiritual. I like to call myself kind of like a guide. I give advice, and um, you know, I can give um counsel or whatever. I don't know what the licensing requirements are to say that in the state of South Carolina, but yeah. So definitely hit me up. Um, if you want clarity, if you want insight into your situation. From a spiritual point of view, and um, yeah, I'm on Facebook, and the links will be posted. Do you have a IG? I do, Nubian Hippie. Um, I don't really get on Instagram that much, but I'm Nubian Hippie on Instagram, so maybe I'll start getting back on there again. So, thank All you right. so much. Well, um, Shots Independent. Uh, I can be my work can be found at uh, shotsindependent.com, and I'm on. Facebook and Instagram as Shots Independent. If you're an artist or business owner or just someone who wants to do something to market yourself in an area to where you really want to stand out from the crowd and, and really show people uh, a, something, a genuine yet creative side of you, uh, please contact me so we can share the vision of you to the world. And Make it. They can know you. What else I can? Yes, <laughs> I cannot wait to do my new photo shoot with that woman at. Um... Oh yeah, and if you're in the Columbia area, I'm gonna start doing tarot card readings at Taps on first Thursdays on mm. Main. First Thursdays on Main, so you can come see me live in person. Oh my gosh, I love connecting with people live, mm. but I also do tarot card readings. I can do it over the phone. I can do it via you know, video message or something like that. I even do energy readings by email. It's basically just a tarot card reading by email. It's only $10. I just have that, you know, but otherwise. How long are the $10 sessions? Um, No, that's just by email. So basically oh, I'll do okay. like a one to three card reading for you. If you email me your question and email me, you know, like what you want to know and I'll just do a three card reading on the situation and then you'll have that forever to always refer back to. It's very helpful as a reference for the reading. So on the provide your email. Um, Ethiopia at gmail.com. So it's I T H E O P I A H at gmail.com. So, but Facebook is the best way. Star Monarchy Queen on Facebook. Star Monarchy Queen on Facebook. Word. Yeah, baby. This is Star's World. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm just, I just get, after a while, I was like, we've been in this room for a long ass time. Yeah. <laughs> I started getting antsy. I started shimmying. You already did that. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. What are you going to do? Yeah, man. <laughs> So, last episode, we had the, the official Live from Wakanda episode. This week, we're going to shout out the star. Well, not the star. Star curse. Yeah. Not that one. Um, we're going to shout out Miss <laughs> Lupita. Oh, yes. In, in Yongo. We've already Look at you trying to pronounce I'm trying. Right. I'm trying out here. Uh, of course, nice she was T'Challa's. T'Challa's little love flame throughout the movie. Um, she's my love flame in real life. Uh, whatever. <laughs> that's, she does not want you. Um, you can catch it. It doesn't matter if she wants you. Toxic masculinity. You can your will on her anyway. <laughs> um, you can catch her on IG at Lupita Nyong'o. 
Uh, that's L U P I T A N Y O N G O on IG. Lupita underscore Inyongo. Um, she loved her role in Twelve Years a Slave, the last two Star Wars movies, and of course Black Panther. She's very vocal about animal rights and the prevention of sexual assault. No wonder you're so into her animal rights. She just fights for your rights. <laughs> Bottom line is, she finally. She <laughs> I didn't have nothing for that one. <laughs> she, she's very smart, and me and Star said we're going to share her room finally. Yeah, I'm definitely okay with that. Uh, she's that. beautiful. I think she speaks a few different languages, too, so she's extremely smart. Most people who don't live in America do, and not some America do. And she's going to be producing the uh, movie version of uh, Noah, Trevor Noah's book about his life and people like playing his mother. Oh, really? Yeah, she announced that on, on the uh, Daily Show. So, of course, we want to thank everybody for joining. Absolutely. Thank, thank you, Star. Much. Thank you, Terrence. Um, thank you. We want to thank everybody for listening. Sure. Uh, please check us out in two weeks. We'll have another episode for you. But it won't be as good as this one because we won't be on. So sorry to disappoint you. It will not be as good because Terrence is on. It's become my climax. Climax of the evening. Hashtag stars one. All right. Thank you for joining. (laughs) Thank God we're done with star. And peace out. Love you guys.